Just push the button, Ms. Kendall. All systems go. There. That's curious. You want me to try it again? No, no. Uh, come on out and I'll give it a shot. <sighs> okay. Uh. Look at that, it works. Oh, whoa, 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 hold it! Hi there, Odyssey Geek listeners. Welcome to episode number 33 of the podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and today is a very special day. I'm having two guest hosts on the show, but neither of them have been on at the same time. They've been in a lot of episodes with me before, but never all three of us. That's going to change today. Welcome back to the show, Ryan Matlock and Michael LeFavre. Hello. Oh, hi, hi, Ryan. It's nice to finally meet you, man. Yeah, same. (laughs) Hey, Austin. Yeah, on this side of the microphone. Yeah, uh, we've been doing hours upon hours upon hours upon hours over on Return to Gilead, so... Yeah, odd meeting you here, Michael. It's like meeting your teacher at the grocery store, except that never happened because my teacher was my mom. (laughs) It's more like we're in the middle of recording so much for Return to Gilead, it's like, oh, so we've got this episode today, this interview today, this special today, and then we record with Austin on Thursday, and we're like, what? Yeah, yeah, that's happening. Oh, okay, sure. (laughs) Well, we got a very special topic to talk about today, and we're going to be doing a ranked list of our top five favorite Bible episodes from Adventures in Odyssey. And yes, just doing five because there was three people, and the last time I recorded with two other people doing a top ten list, it took over two hours. And that'll probably take about this long for this, too. So we'll see how it goes. Well, I feel drastically underprepared, though. Like, this is Bible episodes, right? So, like, there's just a ton of those already. There are? In fact, I actually looked on... Well, yeah. There's only, like, 35, actually. There's a good chunk. If I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, I guess guess technically. I, I was amused. I went to AIO Wiki at first to look up how many Bible episodes there are, and I just type Bible episodes into the search bar, and it just pulls up a page that says, most Odyssey episodes are based on a Bible story in some way. That's wrong. I'm sorry, I need to go change that. What's the... (laughs) Lessons from the Bible, but not Bible stories. Yes, so like... This isn't Discovery Mountain. (laughs) Oh, we're not going to talk about that. Right, but no, actually, let me read this. So, Bible episodes... It's a summary. A vast majority of Adventures in Odyssey episodes have Bible stories. And then it just has a list of all the albums that contain Bible stories within them. And then an episode list um, that I think is more extensive than just episodes <laughs> that have... Ha- like, like, it has hide-and-seek, which doesn't really tell one Bible story. It tells, like, a ton. And I'm going to guess it has, like, a bunch of... Uh, like uh, BTV episodes too in it probably. Yeah, because BTV episodes aren't categorized under Bible episodes on uh, AO Wiki. Yeah. Are we counting those in this review? BTV episodes? Ooh, you can. Okay. You can. That's perfectly fine. I gotta revise my list. Hold on, guys. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> I'll okay. keep to my original <laughs> list. My My personal, like, view going into this was, like, if the episode, if the focus was to share a Bible story... That was what I kind of counted. But if it was just like, we're going to pull from Bible stories for a theme, I didn't quite count that. 
Yeah, if you if you count it that way, a lot of Odyssey episodes have that because they will talk about search in the Bible and just a regular dialogue, but not actually dramatize the story. Right, like the Beavers episode goes all over the place to kind of kind of share a thematic idea, but it doesn't tell one story specifically. Yeah, or like Blood, Sweat, and Fears that uh, aired again recently on the radio, where uh, Wit talks about Moses being scared to Trent. Like, that's not a Bible episode. He tells a little bit of the Bible story, but it's not the whole story, and it's not dramatized there. Right. Yeah, one episode I think should be on the category that I've either I haven't added or somebody hasn't added. It's been years since I've edited the wiki for, like, a majority of the pages. But one is Run-of-the-Mill Miracle, which probably should be on there because it has a Bible story oh, in yeah. it, even though it's not in the category. So that's that's the thing of... Uh, if you refresh the page, Ryan, uh, within the next couple of minutes, you'll you'll see what I mean. But <laughs> you changed it just now. He's yes. back! <laughs> no. Wow, he's back on Odyssey Geek, the main episodes, Anna and AIO Wiki history in well, the actually, making, here, this, folks. <laughs> I, I come back to the wiki every now and then just to. We just hear a live AIO Wiki edit. Yeah, all the time. I do it. You heard it here for first, folks. Well, no, because it won't <laughs> respond to me. It's not. Oh no! no. Kind of like the SonicCon edit. Down. You forgot to speak the language of the wiki. Uh. Password. I'm not telling you a password. I don't care. Anyway, yeah, so I, I mostly just went off of the category of Bible episodes and the ones that I remembered, like, hey, there's a Bible story in this one. And most of the episodes that I had off the top of my head... Oh, there we go. Yeah, re- refresh the page, Ryan. Ooh. Most of the episodes that I had off the top of my head were the ones that like were my favorite anyway. So every once in a while, there'd be one like... um, I'll just say right off the bat, Hide and Seek is not <laughs> one of my favorites, so... I've forgotten about it, and then I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, that episode exists. That's not going to make the list. Sure. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Well, enough enough uh, interlude. Not interlude. So enough prologue. Whatever. Lead up to it. I can't think of words right now. That's fine. I think that means we should move on. Yeah. <laughs> do it. All right, so Ryan, you have not been on the podcast for Odyssey Geek for quite a while. Neither so have I. We'll go ahead and have you go first. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> well, you were on the episode. You're on the episode with Josh. I think that was after. Well, no, I know I had Ryan and Hannah on. Yeah, after that. I'm not sure, but I know you record with me a lot <laughs> for a the bonus episode. So I think okay. Ryan, Ryan should have a shot at this. <laughs> okay, and then we'll go. We'll go to you, Michael, and then I'll be third. All right, so number five, what's your episode for that one, Ryan? Okay, I think if I've got my, I, I've got nine episodes hey, and I've same. got them div- divvied up into four honorable mentions and five that I was like, okay, I think that's the cream that rose to the top. Wait, wait, what, do you, how, do you want to predict anything about this list, Ryan? Because, you know, we, we're on pretty similar wavelengths when it comes to Odyssey episodes. Like about, uh, okay, my prediction is that we will have three in common. Yes, agreed. Like all three of us. See, we're, we're so in sync. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. I was gonna say I was gonna say three anyway, so that'd be yeah. pretty cool. There's always surprises on these rank list episodes. Uh-huh. So. I know that's why we're only saying three. Who knows? Okay, I think number five for me is gonna be Elijah. Oh, nice. I think I, I added it primarily because as I go into this list, I'm sort of prioritizing a, a few kind of values when it comes to an AIO episode with a Bible story. One is that it tells it in a way that it sticks in my head for the rest of my life. Like, it's not just a, okay, let's tell the story the same way your Bible teacher has told it a million times. It tells the story in a very impactful, like, oh, you're there, and this actually had major consequences and major 
like you actually understand the context of the time and why different things that happened were important. It's not just some guy built a boat. It's like he built a boat and the people around him didn't appreciate it, didn't understand the depth of what was going to happen. Um, in this case with Elijah, I feel like it really hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of, because we get, uh, the two kids in two separate, separate situations where they're able to drop a ton of lore, <laughs> lore, I don't know if that's the right word, but like basically just background information about, well, we're in a drought. What is a drought? Why do we, why are we in a drought? How long have we been in a drought? What is the impact on, like, there's even just off comments from the king where he's like, oh, we got to do these things because of this drought. Because, you know, I'm still the king and I'm still trying to manage things as best as I can. And then we get the payoff of everything that happens on the mountain and that just being a fantastic scene from an audio design perspective. And so just overall, because it hits the beats of like the uh, the second beat for me is like just moral implication as well and compelling characters. And I think it hits all three of those from it being a story that sticks and then just having great compelling characters and great design. It's just a fantastic episode. Yeah. So I think kind of what you're describing with, you know, showing all these things happening is, it's not quite the right word, but it's like world building, basically. Exactly. You have all these elements that you're trying to portray through your story. That's also giving history, backstory, things like that. Just plopping you down into this world. You know, this is actual events, but it makes it in a way that's easy to understand and, you know, makes this not just a just a simple retelling. Yeah. Well, it's good self-contained writing to make sure you establish the world, even if it's in the Bible. And the establishing shots that we get, I, honestly, I'd forgotten about the episode, which is why I kind of said, oh, there at the beginning, <laughs> because now I remember, oh, yeah, there is that first scene of, see, I can't, it's Jack Davis and Lucy, right? Yeah. No, it's, oh, Jack, no, it's and uh, Jack and Robin. Yeah. See, I can't even remember who the main characters are. <laughs> got Jack and the cow that's sick and then Robin in the, the palace and just what happens from that, like like you said, with the, the two storylines. Yeah. It's good to build the world to get this, the sense of it's bigger than just the one person story that we had previously with Digger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. What's number five on your list, Michael? Well, it's obviously not that one. Uh, unfortunately, like it, maybe it's objectively great. I, I just don't remember the episode, which is really sad because it's probably one of my least listened to recently episodes. I used to listen to it a lot back when I had album six and listened to that one a lot before I got like other cassettes of future albums or other CDs or the newer CDs. So a lot of the episodes on this list are going to be newer ones based on my experience with them and me finding them to be my favorites. But given this ranked list, I put at number five, this is going to be, oh, wait, I don't know if I can give you the number for this one. I might be able to. I'm not going to try. Hidden Gems. Is in Club Season Two, if I remember correctly. Oh wow, nice. Okay, which one is that? I didn't have that on. I didn't uh, see that one when I was going through the list of episodes. Here's the summary: When Olivia <laughs> questions how the, why there aren't many Bible stories she hasn't heard before, uh, Mr. Whitaker sends her on three unusual stories from the Bible to show her just how interesting God can be. Oh yeah, that is a good one. That's not no. That's not the summary. But yeah, so the three stories that she sees are Simon the Sorcerer. Uh, the second one is Balaam's donkey, and the third is King Josiah. And 
the reason why I love that is because Marshall Younger does an excellent job at, in these self-contained stories, telling the story in its like in its entirety. And I had never heard the story of Simon the Sorcerer before, and now I use it all the time as an example of this person thought that he like understood what the the gospel was about, but he was drastically wrong about it, and Peter rebuked him for it. And then with Balaam's donkey and Josiah, I'd heard those two before, but it was great to hear them dramatized that way. So the reason why this is like above episodes like spoilers, uh, but for the, those episodes which are newer, but I I like this one more because of that condensed nature of it. You can have a sprawling two-parter that like, like that covers the character arcs that the characters go through, either in the Bible or in Odyssey, the, like the Odyssey characters. But for this one, to have the same character visiting three stories and have wit at the end say, well, what was the theme that tied them all together? It's a really genius way to write the episode. Not just a way to do the story, but to do the uh, club episode itself. So that's why that's number five on my list. If I went back and re-listened to all of these, I, I didn't have... You know, it's it's been a while since I've listened to Odyssey. I didn't have the time to do that. But if I did, the list might shift around a little bit. But that's why I'm placing this at number five. That's a good option. Yeah, that's a good yeah. choice. Yeah, I, I, I might have ranked it in my top. I might have a top ten here <laughs> if I uh, if I'd seen that one. There you go. Well, I think also too having that you know three stories, which we've had quite a few of those. Like we have um when in doubt pray. Oh yeah, something, uh, something significant. significant. Yeah. Yeah. I like those three sto- like having three different stories that don't necessarily all they're not all the same like with this one it's all the bible stories where those other two you know it's a lot of historical stories like this all takes place in the bible has a specific purpose is showing different stories that you you're not aware of which is great because I love it when they can bring out certain stories or elements that kids may not hear in Sunday school or only you know, only read through your bible and only get like maybe two or three verses about it something yeah. like that but I think having like three different stories kind of like how the like Hidden in My Heart and the Bible Network have like three different segments. I think that does work quite a bit when you're wanting to, you know, tell more than one story, but you may not have enough material to fill an entire episode. You just mentioned Bible Network and remind me how much I like new AIO. I guess that's not new AIO. It was 10, 11 years ago. I don't know what I'm talking about. Continue. Go for it. What's your number five? My number five is a fairly recent episode. And I'm not sure if you've heard this one yet, Michael, but it is The Honor of Obed-Edom. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Spoil me. Go for it. I have heard this one. It's a good choice. One thing about this episode, like it is kind of the book of speculations thing, kind of like in Follow Me, but they do a little bit different. It's about, you know, about stories that we don't know much about, but can imagine versus how in Follow Me is, you know, stories that didn't happen, but could have. And I think it's such a great episode that it shows what Odyssey is best at, is taking these stories that one that we've heard a lot and telling it in a new way. And also in more recent years, like you mentioned, Michael, with Hidden Gems, these stories in the Bible that we don't hear that much or we don't know that much about. And with this one, you know, there's only about maybe five to ten verses maybe that mention Obed-Edom. But I love how Dave Arnold writes his story using the information that we do know and kind of taking the context of when the time period that he lived. And for those of you that you haven't heard this episode or haven't read this part in the Bible, basically after Uzzah had, or Uzzah, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. I think they pronounce it Uzzah in this episode. But, you know, after, you know, they're moving the Ark of the Covenant after the Philistines had given it up and they were not carrying it properly and it falls off and Uzzah dies and David's afraid of what's happening. So he tries to find a place for it and Obed-Edom has it in his house. 
and it says that Obed-Edom was blessed because of it being there. It's so small. It's one of those blinking you miss it, kind of like the prayer of Jabez, basically, when you're going through like the genealogies and things like that, I think in Chronicles or something like that. But Dave Arnold just takes so much care in making this story sound believable. It sounds like a story that could have happened and taking the elements that we do know and making some very good points from scripture about about how God's presence is a blessing, not a curse. Or some people may feel that, you know, having God near, which can also be a source of conviction for some people, because, you know, if you're not close to God, then having God nearby, pointing out your sin, you know, you may not want God's presence nearby you. But showing that, and also his willingness to have the ark in his house, and how he's rewarded, which this isn't a spoiler, this is what shows in the Bible, is that he was actually invited, I think, to go to Jerusalem and basically be kind of a keeper there at the temple. And showing how God blessed him, and this shows us how some ways God could have blessed him in the Bible. Jody Pasquale does a great musical score for this. Yeah, it's it's an episode when I listen to, like, oh man, this is a really great Odyssey episode. This is going to be, I'm not sure if I thought about it at the exact time, but this is an episode I think is going to be a classic. I don't hear too many people talking about it, but it's one of those... <clears throat> hidden gems <laughs> that is very indicative of of odyssey and its strengths when it comes to bible stories sure yeah the the latest era i think era 12 is the numbering where we are now whatever a- after album 72 it's just kind of hard to pin well maybe i'm wrong about that i think that actually would be in the album 72 era itself yeah it came out last year yeah well because i'm not around to try to like personally talk about the episode too like i know nothing about it but i don't know what like what other people have been saying about it either um it just seems like you know a lot of the talk i hear about odyssey is older episodes anyway so yeah i'd heard nothing about the episode except for like i think you mentioned it once yeah worth listening okay all right back to you ryan number four all right number four i have chosen an adventure in bethany oh so close (laughs) nice i approve of that there you go this is one that is very close to me just as a memory from my childhood because um, I think I've talked on some podcasts like in the past, like just shared my story of how I listened to Odyssey completely out of order. We, as kids, we got like albums one through eight or something, and then we got 16 and 17 and then 40 and 41. And we ha- that was our collection for the longest time until we filled in the blanks. And so album 16 was a very interesting jump because it was like the last thing that we'd heard in the chronology was like album eight. And all of a sudden we're at album 16 where you get the mortal coil. (laughs) Yeah. That, that, that by itself is already like, whoa, that's suddenly like, this is getting more mature. (laughs) That escalated quickly. Yeah. That escalated quickly. And then you get this episode, which I feel kind of fits that vibe yeah. to a certain extent, because, you know, th- like th- a person dies in this episode, too. And even just the score, you can tell that things are going to be a little bit more serious the moment that they start talking, like in the kitchen, when Miriam is talking about how they're going to kill, like they want to kill Jesus, and she's scared and talking to Eleazar about it. Uh, do you remember that uh, conversation like, yes. right oh, after yeah. the meal? Mm-hmm. And like the music gets a bit somber and and like not necessarily in the scene, but like after the scene and in most transitions, there's this somber, almost melancholy uh, score that plays. Definitely. That in and of itself is sort of 
I guess, subversive for a Bible story in the imagination station. Like usually it's like, Oh, I'm in the new, I'm in this new place. And because especially like for me, I was used to, cause I, again, I've only listened up to like album eight by that point. I was used to an imagination station adventure being, okay, this kid's going to go and they're going to just be in the Bible story and everyone's going to be like, what strange clothes you have, child? <laughs> what a weird child you are. And we're going to just make fun of this child for half of this episode <laughs> while we tell the Bible story around it. Yeah, that Greek kid. Yeah, that Greek kid. You are Greek. Those Greek jeans. <laughs> Uh, or his Levi jeans. <laughs> and this was the first episode I'd ever heard where it was like, okay, we're actually going to dress you up to avoid that. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to tell the Bible story and you're going to get to be a part of it. But then also they changed the names. So I didn't know what the Bible story even was about because I'd never heard the story about like uh, how uh, Mary and uh, Martha were uh like Martha wanted Mary to help her with the meal. I never heard that part of the Bible yet up to that point. And so I'm listening to this and I'm like, this is in the Bible? This is canon? I've never heard this. Cool. Yeah, yeah, this is canon. <laughs> I was very young. But also just changing the names, listening to it now, it sounds super like, oh, you could figure this out. But back then, you know, th- imagine like a little eight-year-old who has barely like once in his life heard the story like Lazarus and in the Bible it's, or, or like in Sunday school, they don't tell it like this. They tell it like, yeah, so one time Jesus went up to a guy who had died and just rose him from the dead. They don't tell it like he's the friend that they've known, they've they've spent time with each other significantly in the past that Jesus is crying because he knows this person and it's just I feel like all of that makes it a very impactful episode not just because like the audio drama uh, like the the production quality is stellar but because the creative quality is stellar just the, the creative choices they made in what they withheld information wise and what they gave us and how they presented it was just fantastic well put yeah it's a very very underrated episodes well, I mean, you've, we've been hyping it up for a long time. I know you've talked about it before, Austin. So hopefully it's <laughs> been getting the attention it deserves lately. Go listen to Back to Bethany. It's not called that. It's called An Adventure, it's in, called Bethany. An adventure in Bethany. But I always your list, call Ryan? it Back to Bethany because it was like Back to Bethlehem. Yeah, An Adventure in Bethlehem. No. <laughs> the Adventure of the Adventure. <laughs> okay. What's next for you, Michael? Episode four on this list is the first two-parter on my list, and I originally had this a fair bit lower on the list, but then I went back and looked at my top 50 list that I made a while back on on the wiki, and I thought, you know, this deserves to be higher for several reasons, and as I thought through and tried to remember the different points of it, I thought, yeah, this absolutely deserves to be either four or even higher. This is The Imagination Station. Parts one and two. Ah, good choice. Masterpiece of writing. It's the first Imagination Station episode. Digger Digwillow's arc is iconic. It's it's a classic in every sense of the word for an Odyssey episode. In fact, I'd, I'd probably say it is the main classic Odyssey episode people think of when they think of Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. This is probably the, like, everybody who's heard Odyssey has heard this episode as far as I'm, as far as I know. Of that era, specifically, like, era two, it it's a standout. It's the beginning, practically the beginning of the Blackguard saga too. But it that like that's the the least, I I guess impressive element of it. 
how groundbreaking this was to have it be that this character canonically went through this story like he didn't just imagine it it wasn't just a story that was being told to him it was virtual reality for that time and have it be worked in so naturally that i never questioned it. it's like oh this is just how this works the world building for what the imagination station is is excellent but then the bible story itself is so well told digger's reaction when he sees jesus when he's like when he gives him the bread and and, and jesus we hear jesus talking to the disciples and then digger comes back with john mark and he's like he he looked at me. I, I, I never. His acting is Chad Reiser's acting is perfect in this episode. Yes. Oh yeah. And him crying when he sees the crucifixion and the sound design and Dave Arnold playing Jesus. So many elements of this episode work perfectly. It stands the test of time. So much so that when the episode was remade in the Imagination Station revisited, it seemed like that episode, like that, that episode's fine, but it seemed like more of a, a port or a copy of this one. This episode still holds up really, really well. And then Wit coming in at the end with Digger crying and Wit saying, Digger, it's okay. That's not something Wit does often. Usually the station, like the adventure ends and he just pulls them out. But this one, he was like, no, no, there's more to the story. And great on, like that just shows how, like (laughs) it shows Wit's ministry and shows what a strong Christian he is, that he has faith that this story will change people and that the power of scripture will change people. And like I've seen, even as I've been reading through scripture, like sometimes it'll come to life like that. So you don't need the station to, you know, to reach people like, like that did, but it's, it's a great story for the episode that it did reach Digger in that way. So not only putting a great character arc for the character who is going through the adventure, but also for the accuracy of the story and for the place that it holds in Odyssey's history. 10 out of 10. Great writing. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, really, that's like the first, I think for a lot of people, that's like the first Bible story they can remember Odyssey doing, or like the most iconic one, because I was looking at the chronological list here of episodes, and before this, they had done, you know, Back to the Bible Room, you know, the story of Jonah. They had, you know, The Shepherd and the Giant, which is kind of a precursor to the Imagination Station with the Environment Enhancer, and then um, By Faith Noah. But I hardly ever hear anybody talk about those episodes, but I hear the Imagination Station many times and i think it deserves it like that's the that's the point i think odyssey finally got okay this is how we're gonna be doing bible stories as a majority of this or some of them like two out of three of those are very comedic shepherd and the giant had some moments of of that too but it was a little more straightforward but with this one again and also with the story it's telling it stands out as okay odyssey set a high bar there on how bible stories can be done in audio dramas it's a standard that's still there to this day yeah it's also why absolutely this is subjectively on my part Coming off of that to Elijah, to Elijah. Coming off of that to Elijah. Elijah's such a differently written episode in terms of the pacing and the the journeys that the characters go on and the story itself. It kind of threw me off for a while, sure. and that's why I haven't been fully able to appreciate it for a long time because I'm comparing it to the Imagination Station. So that's probably why. That's fair. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the fun thing about the Imagination Station episodes is that there's so many different ways they've been written. They're always kind of I feel like they're more guarded with the Imagination Station to a certain extent because each time someone goes in the Imagination Station, it's a new adventure. It's done differently. It's like, oh, oh, now there's two people in the Imagination Station. Oh, over here, Jimmy went to history, not the Bible kind of thing, like in the in the Lincoln episode. It's, it's really cool how they just continuously 
innovate with the imagination station and it's never like okay we're doing another bible story there's something new and then the triangled one when you just casually have oh i think at least eight people in the station at once (laughs) (laughs) well there's that That's, that's a lot. Or you might say, you never know what will happen when you have an adventure in the Imagination Station. Yeah, there you go. That's a reference that I want to make because we're talking about Odyssey right now. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and before we move on here, I have to say, I've mentioned this online before, but if Odyssey ever does a vinyl copy of some Odyssey episodes, I want the Imagination Station to be the, the episodes they choose for a oh, vinyl there you go. record. That's a good idea. I think I'd agree with that. Yeah, make it happen, Odyssey, if you're listening. See, I would I would argue for Caroling Caroling Extended Edition to get a vinyl, but that's also just... <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to get com- the episode where they do communicate. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, that one's also enough. just not been remastered anyway, so it'd be nice. You just put that, like, the a small LP in there along with the, you know, the, <laughs> no, no. the 30, uh, 33 and a half, whatever. It's like if you leave the record going too late. Uh, past the end of the recording, it just starts playing that. Now listen here, kids. No! <laughs> <laughs> Where's that needle? The Imagination Station was... The, <laughs> the Imagination Station was seventh on my uh, top ten here. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, you told us what number seven was. Oh, wait. No, it's, it's my your turn. turn. Yeah. <laughs> I... I'm the host of this, and I have such a hard time remembering well, who's that's why, because you got all the pressure of having to make sure the recording's going okay, make sure we're staying on track and not derailing your recording. Anyway, get back to it. Thank sure. you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so number four for me is Elijah. Ah! Yeah! Okay, there's one that we've got in common. I need to listen to this episode again. Yep. So, part of the reason for this is, for some of these episodes I have on my list... I listened to them so much because the first Odyssey album I ever owned was a cassette album for Bible Eyewitness Old Testament. And Elijah was probably the most played tape, like both of the parts, probably the most played tape in that album. And I love it for a lot of reasons. One is Parley Bear's Elijah. I think it's probably Parley Bear's best performance in an Odyssey episode next to like Back to Bethlehem as... That one random oh, guy. Help me out. What's his name? <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, no. He's um in that one. Back to Bethlehem. Oh, yeah. the uh, yeah. Hezekiah. Yes. I think of another episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Polly Bear is so great in this. And like when he br- gives like his speech, like his prayer, like it's pretty much verbatim scripture there. And when I'm hearing that, when I'm hearing that part of the, or reading that part of the Bible or think about that, I hear Polly Bear's voice reading that and there it's it's great like i almost can have that portion of scripture memorized just thinking about probably bear you know praying to god as elijah in that there too also Anne alt as jezebel and i find this really funny is that Anne alt played jezebel before she played robin's mom about two or three episodes later (laughs) (laughs) it's also kind of funny later too like with the big deal i can't remember her name the one plays aubrey's mom actually plays uh Herodias or Herod's you know his wife his second wife or whatever like basically the mean woman in that yeah well she was already cast though at that point yeah I mean she'd already she's already played her mom I just found it kind of funny that some of these episodes have you know the kids that are in there that the parents are actually the bad guys <laughs> right I'm sure that wasn't intentional are you sure it's the imagination station <laughs> oh, just, no, that is how that works projecting <laughs> oh my goodness also like you know at that point they had you know 
a limited amount of people to work with, but also these actor actors and actresses can do really well with different characters. I don't know. Something that did throw me off about that is that the recap from part two is glaringly not the same as the end of part one. And so her different takes of, then you will die. Oh, like it's, the retelling of the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, little different. And whenever I heard it, I was like, okay, I, I think I, I kind of want to hear the other version. Whenever I heard the other version. Kind of like wild mountain can be a dangerous place. Yeah. That one just doesn't make sense. That's not acceptable. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this after imagination station, how serious that one was, it kind of goes back to a little bit of like, uh, back to the Bible room, there's a quite a bit of com- comedy in it. Like King Ahab is very comedically played. I guess it could me think like Jezebel is a little bit comedic, but a little more, she's taken a little more seriously. So I think that's one thing that kind of made it kind of fun for me as a kid and why I liked it. But at the same time too, the threats that happen in it, the threat of danger, the threat of death balances that out. It's not all, you know, it's not all unicorns and rainbows and lollipops or whatever. This is, you know, a serious thing. Like, you know, Especially for Robin, you know, she's thrown into dungeon, nearly gets executed, and both of them just about get executed before the adventure ends, and things like that. There's quite a bit of peril in these episodes, and something I don't think we ever had in a Bible story that had kids in the story, which, again, it's just the Imagination Station and Return to the Bible Room. But this, you felt that the characters were in peril, and the characters believed that, too. So even though there's some comedy to kind of break it up a little bit, and also with Benjamin, and also, like, uh, Obadiah has, he's not played too comedic. But I just think kind of balance of, you know, keeping it lighthearted, but still retaining the seriousness of the story, I think is is quite good. I, I really I really like also the pairing of Jack and Robin, which I know we get a lot of Jack and Lucy, but I wish we had gotten more episodes with Jack and Robin. Sure. I think I kind of have to mention this now. Unfortunately, this is a reference to Rydell, but I'll keep it really short. The, the, the fact that the Imagination Station portrays, like, kids being in that sort of peril or, like, in sort of danger... See, for years, I'd always thought that the Imagination Station kind of toned down the amount of danger that the kids were in or made it seem like to them, like, because it's virtual reality or somehow interfacing with their, their minds, that they weren't in that big, that much danger. Because obviously, like, Moses the Passover as an example of an episode that puts the characters in a lot of danger and, like, basically death at the end, it, I don't think that Wit would do that so... Did you guys ever think that, that the Imagination Station did that, or is, is that just me who had that headcanon? I didn't think that the Imagination Station was actually capable of killing someone or anything. I simply reasoned that, like, people were getting into the environment enough that they forgot themselves. Like, they forgot, oh, yeah, I'm in the Imagination Station and I, I'm safe. Yeah. But I think also, like, the Imagination Station, at least as far as George Barkley, he says that, like, it definitely feels real. That hurt. And so I think a certain amount of it is because Wit doesn't explain and people don't ask, they kind of just assume, I'll be safe. And then they get into it and they're like, this feels so real. Maybe I was actually just sent back in time. <laughs> oh, wait, that reminds me of that recording we did in 2020. Never mind. I'm going to go listen to that after this. Wait, no, I'm not because it's right now. Anyway, yeah, that's right. We, we, did, we have talked about this before. Anyway. Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of too like how, like if you're really engrossed in a book and also like sometimes if you're like kind of picturing yourself as, you know, in the shoes of the characters, like when there's peril to the characters and things like that, you sometimes forget you're reading a book. And I, I kind of think of it as that. But then again, as a kid, I didn't think, too deeply about it but it sounds like both of them are really scared 
like oh like no like they're like they're yeah. generally afraid and i think you know media like that and especially vr all the way that can even though you may think oh yeah this is the imagination station but you're constantly having to go back and forth in your mind this is real this isn't real oh no i gotta get away from this person and hide and you know it's back and forth like you're not i don't think there's me always a conscious thing like okay this is real yeah but there's enough of that back and forth there where you're always on your toes well one thing that I'm surprised neither of you mentioned was the goof in the episode. Um, this is from I'm the official guide, here. actually. In which episode? Is it? Elijah. Is it in part two? There's a goof. Yes. Is it the chronology of events? No. With the rain? No, it's not. Nope. Ryan, you got a guess? I'm test. This is testing my because uh, I know I've read the official guide. Can I get a hint? Yeah. Food. Uh, oh, is it that, yeah, they rabbit? wouldn't have eaten rabbit? No, yes, they would not have eaten rabbit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Robin eats rabbit, and Obadiah says, you made the rabbit? And, yeah, I'm reading on gotquestions.org, <laughs> and it says that- Is it because it's not kosher? Rabbits were placed in the unclean category, which means they could not be used as sacrifices, <laughs> and they could not be eaten by the Jews. A rabbit's unclean status was That's based funny. on this description. The rabbit, though it chews its cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. Leviticus 11.6. Yep. So you could say, because it doesn't say that Obadiah ate it, he said that's what it was, and also Ahab, even though he was a Jew, he wasn't following a lot of God's commands, so there you go. There's maybe, the maybe it's like No, no I, I forget the context that. of the scene. Where, where was where they was were in, in that they scene? Were, they were dining with King Ahab. Mm. Well, that doesn't make sense. Why is that a goof then? Well, <laughs> I mean, the Bible doesn't say that King Ahab did do that. No, but that's the point. The official guide said this is a goof because the Israelites weren't able to do this. Well, they weren't. Well, I know, but that's not a goof then. Yeah, as a whole, but then also doesn't say specifically that Ob- Obadiah could have just been eating certain things. The, I think the guide is assuming that Nathan. King Ahab followed the rules Nathan. and was just an idol worshiper. I need to call my buddy Nathan Hubler and ask him what happened, because that's not fair. Nathan! <laughs> I could do this. The goof was a goof. Why didn't you canonize <laughs> that Ahab is just breaking every law? <laughs> Yeah, like he's having all these idols and temples and he married someone outside of Israel. I'm pretty certain he'd probably eat rabbit too. <laughs> Despite that you... <laughs> Which actually rabbit is very delicious. Oh, yeah, so I hear. I've eaten quite a bit of oh, it. Oh, no, move on from that. <laughs> okay, yeah, before we get hungry. No! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the opposite for you. Okay. <laughs> you haven't had prepared it. You haven't had it prepared the right way. That's the cliche there. Michael, we need to make you a meal of rabbit and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I will delay return to Gilead as long as possible before that happens. <laughs> okay, back to you, Ryan. Okay. What's the next one on your list? Number three will be told once I get back to my notes. Ah. There it is. Okay. All right. Uh, number three for me is David and Absalom. Yes! Number six on my list. Oh, do we have another? Okay. Nice. Well, that's it. Still doesn't match because it's not in the top three yet, or the top five, or whatever. Sure, sure. Well, I I might have been a bit hasty in thinking that we would get three <laughs> that overlapped in the top five. Yeah, like I said, surprise. Surprise. What's that from? Aww. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I remember what it's from. It's from Search for Wit. That's funny. Okay, <laughs> Ryan, I'm gonna pick you up like a volleyball and spike you back into 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, David and Absalom holds a special place in my heart, and this is actually, it's actually interesting. I've got two episodes here that are in my top five from, like, album 50 onwards. 
Actually, I think it's even like album 60 onwards. Because I don't remember. Because yeah, 50 onwards has been like 13 years again. It's, you know, not new anymore. I know. It's just difficult to reconcile that, you know? We're, we're, when yeah. was David and Absalom, which album that was, was that? 2018. It was 2018. It was episodes 835 and 836. Okay. Then, yeah, two of these episodes in my top five are past episodes, past album 60, which the, it's like, I think a test to <laughs> nature is healing. What? Because. <laughs> Well, no, just be, just because, like, album 50 onwards, it took me a while to get used to the new families, I think. Like, I just, I think that it was harder to find episodes that I liked. But I this, this, uh, this and the number two slot were both that. And David and Absalom is such because I feel like this episode does a really good job of sharing like a good amount of like perspective from where the kids are coming because they they have lots of comments that they share throughout the episode that are more modern takes on older things that are happening but there there's also i think the thing that makes this episode stand out is really the serious measure with which they handle how david is feeling about things how absalom is feeling about things it is a story that is, I think, difficult to tell for the same reason that, like, the story of Bathsheba is hard to tell to an audience of children, but they do it really well. They, they handle the sensitive nature of the story in a very proper manner, that, that it doesn't mince words, but it also doesn't, like, pretend that everything is a duck, like VeggieTales did. <laughs> King George and the Ducky. Yeah. I mean, Absalom basically says it's too, like, it's not for you to know. Or, like, it would be too right. it would be too much for you to know. Right. But nonetheless, like, the story is told. We, we get some really good scenes with the acting for David. He plays David in a way that I think I've never seen before. David is always portrayed in most media as either the young and just on fire for God guy killing the giant and being just the most perfect 12-year-old you've ever seen kind of thing. And then otherwise we get David and he's just like the most perfect king you've ever seen. It's rare that we get this portrayal after a certain fall from his peak as far as like just everything that happened where things went wrong in the second act, basically, of David's story. He sounds old and tired. Yes. He's old, he's tired, he's miserable, he's, he's like, depressed. Yeah. And we get that in uh, so many scenes, especially, like, at the end when he finds out Absalom is dead. Yes. It's just such a, like, wow. This, ep- like, I've, I think at the time that I listened to this episode, I was a bit hungry almost starving for like a really good imagination station episode and it just hit the spot yeah i those those are good episodes those those aren't my favorite but i appreciate again like i talked about of odyssey going to stories we don't hear much about or don't hear about like i i knew like you know when i when this when these episodes came out you know i'd already heard the story and you know read it in the bible and things like that but i'd never heard it dramatized well, I might have heard some snippets of your story hour episode about it. I know I heard some of that, that later, but I really do appreciate how they didn't shy away from that, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I think also too, 
because at this point in Odyssey history, they've done most of like the major Bible stories that most people are aware of. And they're having to be more creative in doing stories from the Bible, but not rehashing the old stories that they've done already yeah. and finding new ways to tell stories they haven't told before or maybe just mentioned in passing or find a totally new way to retell that story before. Right. And I think that limitation to a certain extent, because they've just been around for so long, is a great creative driving force mm-hmm. to make them search the Bible more to bring out more stuff that they hadn't before. For sure. I love also in this episode, it's just, it's a, it's like just one thing, but it kind of expresses what I meant with like what I enjoyed about the kids in this episode. It makes me laugh whenever I think of the line where Olivia is just like, that is the most (laughs) handsome man I have ever seen. (laughs) Just that over the top delivery and just the the amusing nature, because, like, the Bible does say he was very good looking. And it's just so funny, especially just given the context of the dispute she has with Matthew when they go into it. It's such a funny premise for an episode. And th- it just gets funnier, I feel, as the episode goes on. Just their banter back and forth about... All of it. I haven't heard it in years, but I'm, I'm remembering bits of it. The part where he cuts his hair and Olivia like goes, no, <laughs> no. <Nah." laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I will have to say this is in my top five. And actually those parts, the Matthew and Olivia, they're the way they're written in these episodes is probably the weakest part no. of the story, I think. No, dude, they're awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? They felt on the, like Olivia is usually written. Like we've talked about this when we reviewed like a uh, badges of honor, Ryan, about how sometimes Olivia is written as a more mature individual and sometimes more flighty. And I think with this one, it kind of expanded on that. And also, kind of her fighting with Matthew, it felt like a little bit overblown. And also, kind of like the lead up to getting the Imagination Station was very quick. So it felt kind of rushed. I think maybe if we had me, a, I don't know if this would have worked pacing-wise, but a scene where they, not, they weren't just telling wit, they were having these conversations about their you know hero worship and things like that. I I felt that... I felt like the moral of the story, like trying to make a moral out of it, was a little bit contrived, but the actual telling of the story itself, I liked. Sure. I thought that Matthew and Olivia were perfect. Uh, I think having it be that they, they walk into Wit's End, they're already having the discussion, is an excellent way to introduce the discussion because it's not as serious as if this is going to divide them. It's just a little squabble they have, and while they're going on this lighthearted adventure, yay, we're learning about heroes from the Bible. All of a sudden, this is a lot more serious, and they realize how futile their own trust or their own praise of their own heroes are and their own squabble was and it reunites them in a dramatic way later on in the episode if i remember correctly i thought it was an excellent way to portray them especially considering you know olivia up until the lost one isn't characterized pretty consistently at all so yeah yeah i think as far as my thoughts on olivia like i i've listened through a lot of new uh, odyssey I don't know if it's since that conversation or not, but recent opinion of Olivia is I or actually even just the Parker family at large is that it's very rare that we get a conversation in a Parker family discussion where I really agree with any of them except usually Matthew because like especially if the three kids are fighting, usually Matthew's kind of giving some level-headed something that he wants to do, and Olivia and Camilla are pushing for some selfish goal. 
so often like even sometimes it's all three of them that are pushing for a selfish goal and for this episode it's not necessarily different they're still debating something the the difference though is that we get a certain amount of positive resolution yeah where the two actually learn something together and they're able to come back to that conversation and be like okay yeah we were both wrong let's go we're all good now contrast that with like the clutter episode where everyone is just fighting and screaming at each other for like the entire episode until eventually they're just kind of like okay uh yeah what if we do this and everything gets soaked and, and it, yeah it's it's just like this i like this a lot more because i'm not just listening to people scream at each other <laughs> for an entire episode that's fair it is sad going from this to same bold story within two albums later <laughs> we never reviewed that on the AI wiki podcast we tried so many times but we did review david and absalom it's episode 12 on the AI wiki podcast i have very very good memories of it also jared de Pesquale's score and his leitmotif that he used uh scored a lot of points in my book oh yeah i need to listen to it again it's been so long that I'll have to listen to it yeah, again. I'm not remembering that. <laughs> yeah. I probably will have to listen to it again. Your 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 humming is beautiful, but I'll need to listen to it again. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're up next, Michael. An Adventure in Bethany, parts one and two, is number three on my list. Hey! Yes. Yeah, so it, it's not number four, and that's why when you said it, I was like, oh, it's so close. Because I love this episode. Austin also recently, or maybe this was a couple of years ago, we were talking about underrated episodes, and I believe you put this one on your list, uh, your list of underrated ones. Yep. Yeah, same, pretty much the same thoughts as you on this, Ryan. I didn't know the story going into it, but the moment that stands out to me, I think the moment from this episode, is Lucy going, but the name, the name. And then Jesus saying, Eleazar, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. It's yes. powerful. And that brings out something about these Odyssey episodes and the way that they portray Bible stories is so faithful to Scripture and so dramatic that it it brings the Bible to life. Like I talked the last one about how like the story was genuine for Digger and how it brought him through on that experience. Well, Lucy's already a Christian. And like I'm listening to this. I'm already a Christian. What do I think about this? It's it's great. It's excellent of like showing the emotion of these characters, the real emotion that they had and presenting it in a dramatic, faithful way in a way that doesn't shy away from like the small parts of it. Like even some of the elements where it starts to like there there are time jumps later on and it starts to like the story kind of starts to fall flat when Jesus is going to Jerusalem. The story is still going because that's what scripture is. And that's where the story was heading in scripture. So in remaining faithful to scripture, it's still an excellent story and ties in well to the Imagination Station, two other episodes that have already told this story. So, yeah, production quality was great. The writing was excellent. I think writing is the, is the biggest thing here. But, yeah, it's it's an, another iconic, underrated episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it's not a, you know, we're going to hear this in future episodes. It's like, no, go back and listen to that episode. Yeah. We don't get that too often. Usually it's an event is referenced inside the episode itself in the story, but Chris doesn't usually reference that mm. kind of stuff oh, right. yeah, she in the wrap-ups for previous episodes. It's usually only future episodes. But yeah, good choice. Good choice. All right, so number three for me is The Tower. Oh, no. Huh? Oh, no. <laughs> Am I right? We're, that, that didn't make either of our top no, ten? It's probably bottom 40 or bottom 50 episodes all <laughs> oh, time no. for me. Oh. Okay, I'm go very for it, curious. Go what for it, what do you like about the tower, Defend Austin? It. 
So it actually comes from an album that I like quite a bit. We mentioned this uh, when you and Hannah and I, Ryan, uh, were doing our top uh, five year albums. It's like Hidden Treasures has so many great episodes in it. A couple, you know, misses like Devil Made Me Do It and BTV Forgiveness. Yeah, but the Tower, a Tower, is such a unique episode in a way that it's I don't I don't, I don't want to say sneaky, but it kind of is. It tells a Bible story that's not actually in the Bible. It took me for a long time to kind of realize this, you know, as a kid and like getting older, like, wait a minute, a lot of this stuff isn't explicitly said in the Bible. Yeah, no. But they write it. I think it's Jim Ware that wrote this episode, if I'm not mistaken. But he writes it in a way that it sounds like it comes from the Bible. It doesn't sound like it's out of place. Kind of like with kind of with the story of uh, Obed-Edom. Like, it makes sense. Sure. Like, and it makes you feel like that, oh, yeah, that's very reasonable. That could have happened. And yeah, there might be some facts and figures about some things happening there that we may not know exactly about, and it's just kind of guesswork. Because otherwise, how else would you tell the story of the Tower of Babel? There's very little scripture on that. And just like Honor of Obed-Edom, the writer for this episode just kind of just zooms in this like like handful of scriptures and then take the context of things happening and the history before in the Bible and also like what we know now about it. It makes a very compelling story, I think. And even though it's just a one-parter, and usually I would say most, I think most Imagination Station episodes that are just a one part are usually maybe the weaker ones, but I think this is one of the stronger ones because it doesn't feel too rushed in it. Kind of like I feel like by Dawn's Really Light, I know it's not a Bible episode, but that one feels very fast paced and it feels like there could have been more done. But this episode, I think like everything that could be done with the story was done the story. It didn't feel like it was just running out of time sure. with it. I love the opening scene in a sound design way, in, in a story way. We hear Eugene and Nathaniel walk from oh, the front yeah. door of Woodson all That's the fine. way to the Bible room. It's so cool. We don't hear that. Like we usually have like scene transitions. Or, like, people calling from another room. But it's so cool that this conversation takes place. And you can hear, okay, the bell, hear the bell, the door opens, and they're walking. You hear the kids talking. Then you hear them climbing the stairs, and it gets a little more quieter. And they come to Imagination Station. I think you hear the hum of the Imagination Station a little bit. It's a really cool moment there. And also, there are so many great actors in this episode. We have Earl Bowen as Nimrod. We have Diane Michelle as Lydia we have um, Tom Williams. He played uh, Stephen, Mr. or Doctor Professor Stephen Charles from The Search for Wits. Alex's oh, grandpa, Barry Lionel, and also Corey Burton as I'm guessing like the angel, and then Chad Reiser as Jack Talil. I think yeah, Jack Talil. It's just a very concise display of the many great actors that Odyssey has access to, and I think all the actors are on the their A game with all these characters. They all sound separate. They all sound distinct from each other. It's a, it's a great way to see the spectrum of talent that Odyssey has there. And also, even though he's, I don't think he's normally mentioned as a being a favorite kid character, I do like Nathaniel Graham, so I do like that we hear this first appearance of him. We hear him as kind of this more intellectual kid. We hear him kind of be more like a regular kid in future episodes, which we don't get, I don't think we had too much of this in early days, besides like Nicholas Adamsworth, but a kid that was more brainy, like more smarter than the average, you know, kid his age. Like, having this conversation with Eugene, you wouldn't think you'd hear that from a kid, but it works. I think uh, Blake Ewing, that plays him, does a good job with that. Keep it, holding his own with Will Ryan there in the dialogue. And I also didn't notice this, too. I was looking on the AI wiki, um, looking at some of the actors for this list, and I did not notice at first. I, I probably may have in the back of my mind, like, oh, yeah, that sounds kind of familiar. But this episode is mainly just stock music for Moses of the Passover oh. and Elijah. But it works, and it doesn't... 
it doesn't like some episodes like oh yeah i've heard that quite a few times before but the pieces that they choose even even though those episodes are kind of far, a little bit far apart they still work and they fit even in this era of odyssey so i think that's a great feat forever who put the music together for this so yeah this episode i think is you know odyssey going beyond just the normal bible story and you know doing that kind of what if you know how could this have happened and doing it a really compelling way and again the moral i remember you mentioning how you liked about the moral uh ryan when we, when we talked about the the album this is from is like basically how why you know why man could never create a utopia on earth like anything you anytime you leave god out of something there's going to be destruction and i think you sometimes imagination station episodes have like a moral tie to it or like a lesson the kids have to learn and sometimes it's just the episode but this one i think is a good a good way of presenting that more like presenting the problem using a bible story to portray how that problem can be resolved or why that problem exists and i think it does it in a very well done and concise way and on a kid's level to understand sure so this wasn't jim ware that wrote this uh, i didn't even know this you guys are never gonna guess who wrote this episode um bob hoos nope i doubted it well but... <laughs> bob hoos was right re- no he didn't write episodes until album 38 oh uh, let jim ware and then what did he just tell you who, who it was it? I should have written it down. I thought it was Jim Ware, but I know it's like one of those writers that didn't... Oh, Doug McIntosh. Yeah, I I had totally forgotten who he was because he'd written When in Doubt Pray, and I really like that one. But this one, if I were to respond to specific elements of what you liked about the episode, so a lot of it is, you know, the acting and the music and the the construction of the the opening scene. And yeah, I'll agree with you on that. I think the Nathaniel being brainy thing was completely dropped after the first scene. Like it's not really it's not really brought up again. But that's more that's more surface level than I think what the my biggest criticism has been of this episode. And this is very subjective and I haven't made it objective yet because I haven't heard this episode in years. But what is Nathaniel's main contention going into the imagination station? I think it's that if humans essentially got together got the the smartest people together and just put in the effort they could bring about utopia well he says if everybody was of one mind right something like that yeah that's what he says kind of like connie and promises promises yeah mm-hmm. well but the, the issue here is nathaniel explicitly says if everybody was like if everybody was in agreement if everybody worked together i don't see why we couldn't do this the issue in the episode is that we have people who are not of one mind. Nathaniel says, if everybody was of one mind, then we get an Imagination Station episode where not everybody is of one mind. So you actually haven't proven it yet. And in fact, I'm looking at the the passage right here, and there's nothing that's said in Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9, about people who disagree with this utopia. So by introducing those people, by introducing people who still follow God and don't want to follow this utopia— it it's an interesting story, yes, but it directly contradicts what Nathaniel's whole point in bringing it up in the first place was. I understand curiosity about Babel and being like, well, surely not everybody agreed, right? Well, let's look at that story, and that would be great. But the problem is it's been set up to say, like, and Eugene says it throughout the episode. He's like, well, Nathaniel, is this what you thought it was? Mankind's driving after the same goal? And all Nathaniel has to say is like, I want another Bible. I want another Imagination Station adventure because this isn't what you said it was. There are very clearly people who don't agree. So for that reason alone, I think that knocks it down a, a, a quite a bit. The episode's going to have to do a lot of work to convince me that this is, one, scriptural, and two, directly applicable to Nathaniel's question. Sure. 
I'd even maybe take it a step further. I love it when you say that. (laughs) (laughs) Not just like what the episode says. Like I was just thinking about the moral because you brought it up. And I was like, well, actually, technically Nathaniel is right as far as the Bible is concerned. Because that's what the Bible says that God says. Like it says uh, something like, actually, I'm going to just read this directly because I don't want to. Uh, mess it up. Nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible yeah, for them. Yeah, okay. Well, you Nazi. read it for me. There we go. Genesis yeah, if, 11, if, 6. Basically, there, there's nothing they can't do if they work together, so let's divide them by, like, like mess up their language so that they can't do the things that they shouldn't do together. That's why Twitter is so terrible. The language barrier is gone. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, the uh, the episode seems to be saying, like, no, see, we can't bring about utopia. We can't do the things because humans are fallen and they'll eventually just set everything on fire. I think the lesson of the Tower of Babel is not that we can't do great things together. It's that we are sinful and if we're trying to do something together without God, that plan will fail because... We were created by God for communion and relationship with God. And if we're trying to make a name for ourselves outside of that relationship, we are finite beings that will run out and die. (laughs) So don't try it. And God doesn't want us to try it because he doesn't want us to run out and die. And so actually when I think of the, the, the story of the Tower of Babel, I see God changing people's language, not because he's like, oh, oh no, they're going to get too powerful for me. Oh, no, because that's how a lot of people kind of portray it. It's not that at all. It's that God created us for a relationship with him. And he saw, oh, they're all just kind of banding together and ignoring me. And I know that that will lead to spiritual death if they do that. So I'm going to spread them out so that they can grow (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) Ironically enough, to grow, people had to lose their giant tower. And also combine that with with the uh, Nimrod is merciful and the sort of almost civil trial that they go through. It's almost, it's it's very, very much rigged. But I'm, I'm struggling to believe that they wouldn't just be killed instantly, honestly. Maybe that's just me. Maybe the episode needed to work a little bit harder. But that's, again, I haven't heard in years. I mean, we don't know much about that culture at the time so that's fair that's fair one way or the other very subjective either way continue a little bit of pushback i do have on that one i'm not saying god was lying when he said like all of them are this way it's kind of like in the same way they talk like you know all the like the children of israel were complaining and murmuring and things like that there have to be love averages there had to be some people that weren't following the crowd in that way sure but as a collective in the majority they all suffered because of the majority of doing something wrong Also, too, just because somebody can come together for something very good, I agree with you to a certain extent, like, yeah, the premise that Eugene has, you know, all of one mind and one accord, it's kind of like a, I don't know, I'm I'm just trying to explain it a little bit too much, or trying too hard to make it fit, but basically, you know, this is how it happened, this is as close as we ever got to in humanity, and look at how it failed, and, you know, no matter if you're all one accord, to a certain extent, you're still going to have disagreements. And probably those disagreements, you know, then that's like the fringe people. Like, that's what the conspiracy theorists. Those are people that don't want to have the common good. And then those are probably the ones that are oppressed. And I agree, like, Eugene's explanation at the beginning, like, saying 
framing the story that way, maybe a little bit not as correct as it could be or not as accurate as it could be. But I think the still message is there is that like everybody together to do just one thing, like if it's more than just, you know, a small group or something like that, it can be good to a certain extent, but it can easily turn into something bad. And the reason why God foresaw that, you know, things were going to get worse for them if they did did anything further wasn't necessarily that what they were doing was a good thing. It was a bad thing to a certain extent because they're, they're wanting to basically, man is powerful, we don't need God. That's basically how they were acting to a certain extent. They weren't just making a tower like, oh, let's come together. Let's see how tall we can make it. Like the tallest that's ever happened in human history. That might have been what they started at, but it might have just been more like, oh, just more becoming more prideful. Like, oh, look at how we, look at how high this can be. You know, we could be, you know, reach into heaven and be like God. Like it could have been a good thing that started out. But again, because of man's fallen nature, that is always going to wreck that kind of thing. Well, yeah, we do get those references to they're very prideful. They are very much uh, rejecting God in the middle of this. But also the scene that sticks with me from that episode is in the middle with Eugene turning to Nathaniel and saying, well, is this what you thought it would would be while they're like building the tower and while they're making bricks and, and stuff like that, if I remember correctly. And, and so that's like that's an example of that's not the consequence necessarily of everyone coming together. That's the consequence of not everyone coming together, and and still is a consequence of authoritarian, yeah, backbreaking slave labor, and it's it's like that's fine, and I don't have like I don't have a problem with that specifically being brought out because yeah, that'd be natural. My my thing is more just this is Nathaniel's point in bringing it up in the first place, and so if Nathaniel says at any point, uh, hey Eugene, this isn't what I asked for, I still think I'm right. I think he'd be kind of justified in still believing he was right, that if everyone were brought together and of one mind, things might go a little bit differently, because in this case, they weren't. So, yeah, that's where I'll leave that. Good talk. Yep. Yeah, we've talked more about that episode than any well, other. We disag- that was we fun. Disag- it's the first one we disagreed on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not done yet. I will say, good choice for an episode. Like, even if I can look at it and be like, oh, well, I have these are the reasons it didn't make my list, I still definitely affirm it being on your list because it's still a well-done episode. I acknowledge that it's on your list. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Michael. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I'm tired. Okay, Ryan, back to your list. Number two on my list is worth it. Yes! Nice. Good choice. Good choice. Thank you. I assume that's also on your list. Um, Is that on number one on your list, Michael? You'll see. No spoilers. No spoilers. You'll see. Okay. Well, so I chose Worth It because it's a good episode. (laughs) Uh, I think it's, it's it's interestingly enough, very simple to look at as an episode. Like, it's not super complicated. Like, wow, this episode is great because... Um, there's just like this really cool Elijah fire scene or anything. It's ve- I think the simple goodness of this episode boils down to they approached a Bible story not from a what does this Bible story teach, but sort of more of a what does this Bible story answer f- as far as a question is concerned. And so like normally we're looking to Bible stories and we're like, okay, the Bible story of Elijah teaches X. The story of the blind person, the person blind from birth, the lesson that that story tells in the Bible, like as far as what that's supposed to teach, is a little bit different from what is being taught here. The lesson that we take away from the Bible story 
should be people are not sinful because they have struggles or because they have been uh, disabled in some way. That was the assumption that people were making back at the time. Like even the the the, the disciples said, "Why was this person born blind?" And it, they were like, "Was it because their they sinned or their their parents sinned?" And that was the assumption lots of people made, and like they probably debated about. And Jesus is like, "No, that's not it at all." And the point of this episode is not necessarily to make a statement about sin. It's about the other half, which is what Jesus says about he was born. This was done so that the glory of God may be displayed. And that is what is shown. And like Olivia is grappling with that. And she's like kind of wondering like, okay, well, like, is that selfish? Is that God like, like, is that justified? And we get to see this story as it's impacting the lives of these people and get some really interesting answers, some really interesting thought experiments out of the whole episode. And it's all coming on like the tale of the whole album where Olivia is struggling with her faith. That gives this episode even more significance and emotional pull. It's not just on the heels of it. It is part of that arc. It's an integral it episode is, of that it arc. Is, yeah, it, like, it's not even... The, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean to say that this is like an afterthought. It's in the midst of yes. it. It's right at the heart of it. And so it's a very... It, it's, I think, some of the best character development and the best, like, often we get an Imagination Station episode based on something kind of superficial that someone's struggling with. Like we take a look at the pa- a, pa- a, past, a past couple of episodes we've been reviewing, the tower is just a disagreement. David and Absalom, just a disagreement, and it's sort of like, oh, the kids and Odyssey are fighting. Let's toss them in the imagination station for an hour. That'll sort them out. <laughs> and this is the first episode in a while where it's, I am struggling so hard with this question, and it is racking my faith. Racking it is. Wrecking? Wrecking. It is wrecking my faith, or it is severely challenging my faith, and I don't know what to do with that. And I feel like that is where the Imagination Station shines really brightly. Like, the reason that the original, the Imagination Station episode is so powerful is because it contrasts a very deep core attitude of Digger Digwillow. He has such a disinterest in the Bible. He believes that it's boring. And the Imagination Station doesn't just like, poof, within 20 minutes, you're, you've changed your mind, but it doesn't really matter all that much to your life. It changes his life so drastically. And here, Olivia's still in the middle of trying to figure out what she thinks about things. But it has a deeper impact on her than... You know, like, Matthew and Olivia just kind of like, oh, okay, hero worship isn't at all we thought it was. Or Grant, uh, Alex Nathaniel. being like, oh, yeah, it, it, I guess I was kind of wrong about that whole utopia thing. So I just feel it's a really powerful episode and simple and also just beautiful all at the same time. Like, from the music to the the portray- the uh, the acting by especially, like, the the blind kid and his mother in this episode it's all done really well ditto yeah the acting is definitely great it's 
it's one of the better Odyssey episodes, and it's one that I don't mind it so much that it's tied to a storyline. Like, I had a bigger gripe with that when it comes to the Christmas bells. Sure. Oh, but it's not tied to the storyline. We have the true version. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think this episode comes off as one of the best Odyssey episodes ever, not just a yeah. Bible uh-huh. episode, because it, one, it does a Bible story really well. It dramatizes it very well but also tackles a very important, a very difficult subject and doesn't pull punches with it. And that's one of the great things about it. Again, the writing for it, the beauty of it, like things like, you know, how his mother, she shares that darkness with her son and things like him, like smelling a sunset, he can't see it. And his mom is telling things about it and like how he's using his other senses to picture that. It's, yeah, like you said, it's a very beautiful episode. Okay, so... Michael, number two. Number two on my list, and I have the number for this one. This is episode 727 and 728, Your Servant is Listening, parts one and two. Nice. Mm. I adore this two-parter. This was the first episode of the like the modern era for me. Like When I got the official guide and when I started getting the new Odyssey episodes that were coming out and listening to them on the AI Wiki audio player, these were the first ones of album... Uh, 58, no, 57, that I heard. And they're great. The new actress for yes. Michaela, uh, actually, <laughs> Michaela, uh, for Camilla Parker, Michaela Dean, I think. Is it Michaela Dean? Is her name? Yes, Michaela Dean. Yeah, did a fantastic job before she was eventually replaced again, which is kind of sad. But um, we talk about an arc that a character goes through. It's not super deep because the new iteration of this character is struggling with her faith and struggling with questions about God and things like that, starting off in part one. But the way that this story is so accurate to scripture, when I read through it recently, I was remembering parts, like when I read through this in the Bible, I was remembering parts of the episode thinking, wow, this was extremely faithful. And the way it tells the story and the powerful scene of God talking to to Samuel in the middle of the night, Eli's reactions to everything that happens, Ava Parker being there and, and her and Lucia's integration into the story and Camilla being right there with Samuel too. And the way it all wraps up with Samuel walking through the door, it's, it's such a, a well-written episode by Kathy Buchanan. And I think an, an excellent portrayal of the Bible story and of the characters who are going through it. So the main thing that I've been looking for in these episodes, isn't necessarily what is the best episode because maybe objectively I might put one of these episodes as a better episode overall, as far as like character arcs or, or plot goes, but because of faithfulness to the Bible and because of the quality that I remember this with, like it's, it's a, a it, this was after the, the mini hiatus before album 57, because of the time that Odyssey had to refine these episodes. And re- this was like the only album that was released in, uh, when was this? 2013. Having this be this the the album opener, sort of the the era opener, is an, a fantastic start with this story specifically, and ending with with I keep wanting to call her Michaela. It's ridiculous. With Camilla becoming a Christian is a powerful ending to these episodes. Big fan. Yeah, with my list too. I know there were some that I knew were objectively better, but again, I'm going to more subjective how I feel about the episode. I'm not, like my memories attached to it and how I liked it. But yeah, this one. This one is one of the better Odyssey episodes, too. I really liked it quite a bit, too. And, like, that whole album, actually, is quite good. There's, like, one episode that's weird. <laughs> well, I think... I may be wrong, but I thought that Kathy Buchanan co-wrote this with Nathan Hubler. Or oh. maybe he just directed it, but I thought they I'll co-wrote it for some reason. I think it was Kathy, though. Okay. 
but yeah, this episode, yeah, it's it's great. And I, I Michaela Dean is actually probably my favorite actress for Camilla. Going off of what we're talking about worth it, of how the Imagination Station opens up these conversations about faith with Camilla as as young as she is, she's probably more of like you know riding on the coattails of her family, but never have become a Christian herself before, I think is another great way to use Imagination Station with Digger Digwillow. Very different thing there. You could tell definitely not a Christian and not interested in the Bible and things like that, which Camilla is kind of like that, not quite to that extent. But the reason that she's disinterested is because she doesn't have that salvation, that yeah. faith that her family, some of her other family members have as well. And I really like how they brought that in there. Like, I think I kind of, I can't remember if I remember seeing that coming, but I think I might kind of predicted like, oh, I wonder, it's hard for me to remember, but I think I may kind of predicted or wondered, oh, are they going to go there? And I'm really happy they did. And also that had that kind of follow-up episode in the album, More Than a Feeling, uh, which also tackled a little, another kind of element of, you know, a new Christian's life that we don't see that often in Odyssey. Well, 2013 was a great year for Odyssey fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For one album that year, it was pro- probably good that it was that way. Well, there was, there was a lot of going on behind the scenes. There was the aftermath of getting the show. There was the fan favorites album. There was the promise of a 14-parter next year that ended up severely dividing the fan base. So it was the calm before the storm, I guess. <laughs> also Shona. Okay, so number two for me. Oh, did you look up? It is Kathy Did you look Nathan, it up yeah. if... Uh... Yeah, it makes me even happier. Okay. They're, they're a great duo. They've, they've I think they did that and Between the Lines. Oh, they started the era and ended the era together. Oh, that's that's poetic. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, they're great writers. Nathan really needs to write more episodes. I wish he was would write more episodes. He's writing one soon. You'll see. Ooh, nice. And it's going to be very significant. You'll see. I can't mm. say anything more than that. Except that it might be my new, like, biggest episode of all time. You'll see. <laughs> that's all I can say. Okay. Okay. Now that you've preempted my choice of my list, <laughs> but I'm totally happy with that. That sounds All right. great. Oh, All right. So number two on my list is Three Funerals and a Wedding, parts one and two. Oh, great choice. So this is another episode that kind of subverts my expectations, or not expectations, but kind of like my perception, I guess, of a Bible story. Not to, not quite to the extent of the tower, but the way the story is told, it's, I don't know, basically like... My idea of how the story went was the Odyssey episode. Like, I might have read a little bit of it when I was a kid and heard it talked about in a sermon and things like that. But I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, like, basically reading reading the story with, like, not much stopping in between or, like, in succession or whatever. Wow, there's a lot in that Odyssey episode that is not in the Bible. Like, the names, like, for the the person that was the closer relative... Malin and Chilean's conditions and things like that. Like, there's things that we can kind of pick up on and things like that. But again, that's great writing there. That's great biblical fiction. Sure. That you don't see that as being one a contradiction. And it seems like it's very plausible. And I love that. And because we don't know a lot about, okay, why? Like, we know that they moved from uh, Israel to Moab because of a famine. And we don't actually have mentioned that his sons were sick like we do in these episodes but it almost you can kind of glean that information <laughs> glean <laughs> pun <laughs> that was a ruthless pun <laughs> bring me more of those took us this long to get into puns in this episode <laughs> <laughs> no sorry we we made a pun earlier i thought you said something about um oh what what was that you you made oh, 
there was a ver- there was a episode title that you said, but like not in the context of saying the name of the title. It was um oh yeah, like uh the back to Bethany and the adventure in Bethlehem thing. No, it was it was um man, I wish I could remember what it was. Editing Austin will probably figure it out later. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it <laughs> it really hurts that I can't remember what it was because it was a really good one. Well, I don't mean to Boaz, but I can probably remember it. <laughs> Hopefully you remember it before before we end this discussion. Otherwise, it's gonna drive you crazy. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So we hear like not long after they they get to Moab that they die, and it kind of makes sense that if they died fairly close after that is probably because they were either sick because also the famine the, the famine probably took its toll on them. Like some of the liberties, which we get kind of a disclaimer with Connie at the beginning, like you know, gotta use your imagination. And she says a couple things. It's not explicitly said, like, okay, we don't know this happened, but this is how we're going to say it. It's very subtle there. So people have, like, a nitpick with it. Like, oh, that's not in the Bible. Well, Connie says, like, you've got to use your imagination with these kind of things. Like, where did you get that? Like, the girls ask her, like, where did you get that? And, like, she's taking context, like, with judges, like, what happened, like, the last chapter and things like that. And, again, taking that information that we know and building more of a bridge in between those verses that weren't there, but you could see being actually there. And I see kind of the difficulty of adapting this story. And I like how, I think Phil Lawler wrote these episodes. But in the Adventum in Volume 5, they adapt the story of Ruth. And I was very surprised how basically they jump basically to Naomi and Ruth and Orpah. Maybe Orpah's already, already left. But they kind of jump quite a bit to that point. They have a little bit of backstory. Like basically how the Bible says it. And then they go on from there. And I was very surprised, like, huh, I wonder why they did that. But also, you know, when you don't know that much, you want to also make make it different than what somebody else has done. Also, the way they took the person that was a close relative, they did it in a very clever, in a twist I did not see coming. That was, I think, just as surprising, or maybe even more surprising, the way they have it in this episode. It's kind of similar, but I think it's it's still different enough. And I, I think this... This acts, this aspect of the Bible, if you really want to dramatize it, make it more dialogue-driven, you got to take some liberties with it. But I think the liberties that are taken in this episode, both parts, I think, are very well done sure. and don't detract from it. Because, again, I kind of believe that that was in the Bible for a while until I read it again later. And also, I think this is some of Walker Edmondson's best acting. Yeah. He, like, his, like his, his that, that weakness and his dying scene, oh my goodness. That's, like, probably one of the most emotional heart-wrenching death scenes in Odyssey. Yeah. It's just awesome. He's just so great in that scene. And, yeah, and the music, too. The music in, in the episodes is quite good as well. I like also, you know, the Hebrew names that we hear and the explanation of, like, what those names mean. Kind of like with Connie at the beginning, because we have, you know, Naomi saying, wanting to be called a different name, so it's a great, you know, lead-up to that in the story by Connie already saying, okay, like, you know, Malam means this. Maybe she doesn't give the son's meaning... I think I know her husband. Uh, she gives a name for that. And also, too, Connie gets to be the storyteller, which I don't think up to this point she had done that much, at least for a story on her own. Like, she read, like, Tales of Moderation and something else, like, something something someone else had done. But this is kind of, like, her own storytelling. Like, it wasn't Bernard. It wasn't Wit. It was Connie. And I love how Connie gets to shine this episode, seeing how much she knows the Bible now and that she's gifted in storytelling, too. Sure. And I think that's just a great storytelling device. She was a storyteller in the Twilight Zone. If that counts. Well, I don't think that counts. No, that doesn't count. No, okay. Uh, maybe this is my like my priority showing here, but 
I was kind of into the romance side of the story of like seeing how does how is Odyssey gonna play out the relationship between Ruth and like her I forget the the or, like her original husband's name Boaz oh uh Milan Killian Chilean. maybe it was Killian but then uh like eventually with Boaz too like Connie pitches that as a love story I'm like okay let let's see what you got and having it having the build up to to be like here are the here, here's the family, here's Naomi, and here's her relationship with Ruth, and then here's when Ruth meets Boaz. Like, all of that's really interesting from a love story story. And the way the plot goes, Ruth is set up as a remarkable character by the end of the first episode because we have those initial scenes with just Naomi and her family, and then Ruth's introduction, and then everyone dies, and then you have the powerful scene of where you go, I'll go. And yes. it's the same actress as plays Katrina, too. So maybe that's fitting a little bit there. Yeah, because, Pamela Hayden. Yeah, because you've got the, the Eugene and Katrina stuff on one side, and then the Ruth, or Pamela Hayden playing Ruth on the other side. So maybe I'm just confused here. <laughs> but, with, with those, but with those lines, it's excellent. In fact, if I went back and listened to it these days, uh, like recently, I, I, might, like, I might shed a tear at it because it's incredible acting and, sure. and great, uh, a great build up there. So yeah, totally agree with you. That that's uh, number nine on my list. It probably deserves to be higher. You want to hear a hot take? What? I think I know what's coming. Okay, I first off, so I'll preface. I love what you just said, like uh, like the whole thing with the first part where, um, the with with Naomi and Ruth. That is a powerful scene. My hot take. I think that they over romanticized it, and or rather, they kind of played up the romance where it didn't necessarily belong huh. because I don't actually think that this is a super romantic story. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Like if but, you're like, yeah. it, like not, not that the production isn't romantic, but that the Bible or the original Bible story is not really romantic. No, there's, there's not a lot that was honestly, if I'm thinking about it, I sound like Ali Barrett there. <laughs> well, we do have, we have Boaz being just a good man who is showing kindness to a stranger which isn't supposed to be romantic in nature. He's not doing it because he thinks she's cute. He's doing it because he's a good man who's actually following the Torah and showing kindness to foreigners. But going out of his way, though, to be kinder, he's going above and beyond the minimum. Because she's a relative. Mm, I would actually... I, I don't know that uh, that's necessarily fair. I like. I think that he is not going... Uh, like, I... Uh, hmm... Okay, I'll put it this way. The minimum does not make you a good man. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not like, wow, you're you're following God's rules because you're being base level. You you gave them a smile and then moved on with your day to foreigners and widows. What he is doing is he is following what he should do, which is to first off make sure that the field is available to her, but also he's aware that she's being cut out by the other people like she's not being treated well so he's making that discrepancy right by giving her the the excess i think the fallacy would be to take that from the bible but like so first off he has you know as a single person in the bible who is male he could go to naomi and say hey i would like to marry ruth if he actually wanted to do that if he was like this is something that I think is reasonable and or that I want. 
he could go do that. But he doesn't do that in the story, which I think is what indicates he's not actually, like, in love with her. He's just showing genuine human kindness. Oh, good point. And then, good point. And then later in the story, when Ruth goes to him, that's also not necessarily romantic because at least as far as the time, it was actually just a shrewd move as far as like like it was definitely very forward and i'm sure she was like eh, i don't know about this this is i could be very much rejected but it was because like she being a foreigner meant it was unlikely anyone would want to marry her and so that was what made this move risky was not that oh well what if he doesn't like me it's what if he doesn't want to marry a foreigner who previously worshipped a different god, and that will damage his reputation. But when he found out about it, and he was like, well, I like this girl just on the basis of, I know the, I know her story, and so I know that she has decided to follow God, and she's being, like, like I'm kind of surprised, because, like, I'm a, like, huh. Interesting that you didn't just go after some young guy. And so they get together, but I don't see where in the text it's necessarily, like, heavily implied that it's all supposed to be romantic in nature, rather than sort of two people kind of realizing, oh, yeah, this ma- this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. At least by modern standards of romance, so it feels weird to frame it that way in the episode. Like, I still enjoy the episode a good ton, and I think that it's a great episode for a lot of those re- for a lot of the reasons that have been discussed up to this point. It just is, I think, maybe a little strange the way they went about it. They were like, this is such a great love story. It's like, no, the Bible is a historical document. It's not really designed for love stories, except for the greatest love story ever told, which is God's love story for his bride. Yeah. You know, for years I've had the storyteller theory of Wit and Connie and other characters can tell stories that make it seem like they're in the like the <laughs> characters listening are in the imagination station, like going all the way back to Return to the Bible Room yeah. and this episode specifically. So I just imagine, is it, who who's listening? Is it, um... It's not Jenny Roberts, is it? Is it Lisa? Courtney no, Lisa's not around this time. Oh, okay, it is Jenny. Them. Okay, uh, with one of them saying, "I like Boaz." I'm like, Connie, you must have told that story <laughs> really well that he actually sounded that attractive. <laughs> wow. Okay. I would agree with you, Ryan, to a certain extent. I think in the back of my mind, I was I didn't have my notes with this, but it's kind of with that, you know, that kind of framing the story and kind of you know highlighting or adding things that aren't there but can make sense. I think there's a good argument for both. It could be that way, and it could be the other way. Sure. I just don't think it's like very glaring that this is totally not biblical. Right. Like, this is not what happened. Like it's not something you can just put your finger on, like this specifically. Because mm-hmm. I'm seeing too, like with Boaz, like him having them drop extra wheat and things like that down for that's kind of going above and beyond his taking you know care of her and Naomi and things like that. Again, this is me kind of just making some. It's not a goof. But with this, it's like, maybe he did like her, but maybe he also didn't have the courage to go through that. Okay, she is a foreigner. What, I'm gonna, what am I going to do if I do this? I might be ostracized a little bit. And then she comes to him and maybe has more courage than he does to make that marriage possible. Like, you could probably see that. Like, it may not be totally right, but it's not something that could be totally wrong with that. So I think, again, this episode takes liberties with the story, but I don't think they're, like, deal breakers. And I think you could tell the story 
like kind of like how you do it. I think like kind of like with um, I guess the probably the closest generalization I've heard of it and the way you're describing it is season seven, you belong in Discovery Mountain. They tell the story of Ruth, which is very paint by numbers kind of thing with the story itself. There's not any of that kind of romance much in there. It's more like a business transaction pretty much is there a person in discovery mountain who's also falling in love with somebody who's terribly out of her league no it's more more of like foreigners coming to the place and being accepted just like ruth was and like characters in discovery mountain it's not as exact of a pair oh okay i'm trying to see if i remember that uh but it's not as exact a parallel as it was with the esther parallel (laughs) a lot of it they call it more like the redeemer like they talk a lot about the kinsman redeemer and things like that yeah yeah, they mention more of that again the way it's portrayed the story is portrayed in that it's much more like we said ryan i mean some bible stories in discover mountain are are great some aren't so great that one i think because they i'm not criticizing them for following it so faithfully it's just there wasn't much different and new about it that felt like okay this is basically just exactly how it is in the bible it's not dramatized it doesn't feel like it's really dramatized like it could be but again, if you want, if you are going to do more than just what's in scripture, you're going to have to look deeper, make some leaps of logic, making the story sound more than just pasting the verses in the story. I haven't heard Discovery Mountain in years. It's bringing back some strange memories. Still going. They're like in season 26, I think, right now. I think that's why it's so daunting. <laughs> I don't know if I want to jump into that. <laughs> Okay, so how about we do this here? Michael, you and I, we'll guess what Ryan's is. And then once he tells us his, then me and him can guess what yours is, and you two can guess what mine is. Sound fun? That sounds fun. I mean, yeah, mine's obvious, but I don't know what, I have no idea what Ryan's (laughs) is. Yeah, we're both going to definitely get Michael's. Yeah. I don't think you're going to be ever ever able to guess it. OT Action News, Battle at the Kishon. No. That is a good episode. It is not that. Oh. Oh, <laughs> so if it's not the normal ones, like the ones I can think of off the top of my head, I think I don't think it's Moses of the Passover because that seems like kind of low hanging fruit. That's a really good episode. I would say maybe Bern- one of the Bernard episodes. I would say Bernard and Joseph. Okay, if, I don't. Uh, think what so. is your guess, Michael? I, I I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's not one of the Bernard and episodes. You're correct. It is not a Bernard episode. I'm trying to think of what it could be. Is it? Um. Is it one that I haven't heard? No, I'm pretty sure you both heard this one. Oh, okay. I have no idea. Okay, I might make you guys a little mad at where I've ranked this, like, after talking David and Absalom and worth it, just because this is not, like, anything like those episodes, but I chose for my top one... By Faith Noah. No. Over the Airwaves. Oh, over the airwaves okay. is so funny. First off, kind of a stretch, but go ahead. What do you mean, kind of a stretch? It's better than the big broadcast, so you're right. It's an honest. It's a Bible episode. It's parodying an actual parable. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll save my comments for later. Go ahead. Okay. okay. First, so I think this is one where it's very odd that I've chosen this. Yes, obviously. I chose it because the parable is one that is very obscure. Like, it's not necessarily a parable you hear all the time, but they tell it in a very creative way that makes it stick with you. And I told you at the beginning that that's one of my criteria for a really good Odyssey episode, is that it sticks with you, and you it's not just like, okay, yeah, I heard a Bible story, move on, because that's what we get at Sunday school. We get... People kind of trying to tell a Bible story and people are like, like the kids are like, oh yeah, that was a story, move on. 
I want something better. I want something that it sticks with you, makes you think about it, and then eventually, like, you're able to discern the deeper truth of those passages and just in the in the end they stick with you. That's this episode for me because first off it's just really funny. It's very engaging and there's so much there's there's so many layers to the comedy because like they've got the things where it's just it's a straight up joke, but then there's also the performance itself is the comedy. Like where they're saying these things really fast like uh, from from North Fork North Fork of South Spoon to the blah, 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 blah. And they say that really fast. The point is to challenge the performance of the person saying it, the actor. And it's just funny to think, like, this was written specifically to be difficult to say. So with all that, there's layers to the comedy that is it's just done very well. And it makes what is typically not a very interesting parable. It's just like, oh yeah, they they sent some people and then they di- they got beat up and then they sent more people and they got beat up and then they sent more people and then that person died and then like that's not interesting. But that this story, this episode makes it interesting in a way that it actually sticks with you. No kid is gonna come back from. Sunday school, having heard that parable, and be like, wow, it was so engaging and so interesting, and it made me want to think about it. But this episode, the way that it handles it, it is memorable. And then at the end, when Wit changes it, and it's like, suddenly we're back to just telling the text of the Bible story. Like, And then Jesus turned to the crowd and asked, what do you think will happen? And it's suddenly like, oh, whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah, this has been a Bible parable this whole time. I wasn't aware of that previously i was just invested in the story and the the whole when jesus says he will come and kill those tenants and give the property to others and the crowd is like no may this never be and i at home as a kid i'm kind of thinking the same because i'm like wait he's gonna murder them that's wrong but then the the whole ending parable and everything that's said there is it, you know it's a little difficult to understand because like as a kid, like Jesus is using words like cornerstone and stuff, and I'm like I don't know what this is. But this is an episode that actually made me want to know the truth because I'm like okay, this is a thing that Jesus is talking about, but I just got very invested in a story that was very funny, but also like there were actual stakes involved, and I want to know why the ending is that this that these tenants should be killed but i also want to know why the story is being told in the first place because it has very deep implications for like how we understand what was going on at the time with the pharisees and such because the story tells us here the pharisees realized oh he, this story is about us and when later wit is saying like and they they started plotting to have him put to death I, as a kid, heard that, and it's like, oh, yeah, like in the Imagination Station episode. And it, like, tied a lot of the story of the gospel together for me in a way that I hadn't known before and I hadn't put together before because up to that point... I just had the imagination station, which was like, oh, yeah, there's this guy named Jesus and he was really nice and then he died, but then he came back to life. And that's awesome. But then here I'm like getting, oh, like, okay, so he's actually 
teaching these things and making calls to action to the people at the time when he was alive, and they really didn't like that he was holding them to a certain standard and that he was changing the rules on them, so they decided to kill him. It gave a whole new context that we didn't get in Imagination Station, because we don't really get a lot in that episode about like why people want to put him to death. Just that he's being arrested suddenly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So this episode, I do recognize it's very strange. It's not like, <laughs> wow, so many great character growth moments. It's just one that holds a very special place in my heart just because it's so creatively and just out of nowhere of an episode. I think the special guy talks about Paul McCusker wrote this when he had a fever. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes. I think he made the mention at the end of his like, yeah, maybe I should should write more episodes when I'm sick or something like that. (laughs) You know, Ryan, you've made me have an existential crisis. Okay. Because I legit, for the first half of your explaining the episode, considered switching my number one, not not to over the airwaves, but to another episode that has the same sketch. The same Mm. sketch? What do you mean? Yeah, the same one you're talking. The uh, the the Young Guns Bonanza sketch. It's been done two other times after that one. Yes, it has been done two other times. And one of them is one that I actually would put in my top 10 best Bible episodes of all time. In fact, I might even put it like number five now that I think about it. I don't remember them doing Young Guns Bonanza again. When is that? They did it twice. They did it again. Live out of the 25. And they did it also again in the 30th birthday live show, which I was there for both showings of that. And they also have the body sketch again. They have the nativity in which Grayson Smith is the reporter. Shona is the main actor in the, in the body and the cast for, I think Townsend Coleman is back for young guns Bonanza again. It is a, it's a fantastic Bible episode. And had I been in a different frame of mind, I might've put that as my number one, but I, I can't. I can't put it as number one. It has to be just a really strong honorable sure. mention for me. But, yeah, I was going to have you guys guess that, but I was like, yeah. I, I guess I just don't count the, the anniversaries as quite episodes in and of themselves. Like, they're, they're yeah, too they're special. they're not actually canon episodes. Yeah, you're, so, you're wrong. Well, <laughs> okay, some of them. There are things you can listen to. They're just not in the canon. They're, I was there. I was there in person at the recording of it. You were in the canon. No. <laughs> well, I guess I got shot out of the cannon shortly after, but, you know. But no, like, the way you descri- describe it, Ryan, like, that's, like, one, that's a very big surprise. Right. Really, I would never have thought of that episode, because we talked about, like, you talked about, I think, before we started recording this or something, like, is BTV or, you know, those kind of episodes considered, like, Bible episodes, and this is kind of like that, or some BTV episodes have Bible sketches, like, we talk about, like, David Bathsheba, like, a BTV Envy, I think that's actually a pretty good Bible story for a BTV episode. And with this, it's kind of like going back from like modern day. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've heard this episode. I've listened to it several times. It's a good episode. Not, I think I like the big broadcast better in that kind of style format. Mm-hmm. But if I'm remembering right, it goes from like wit. Like Jesus doesn't actually speak until like after the end of the third sketch, it's, right? Well, no. So it's like, actually it's, he's, uh, oh, I don't know if he actually speaks, but the whole episode the first thing that they talk about is the whole like Jimmy and Donna sketch where they're the good and bad. The two sons. Yeah, the two sons. 
comparable. Yeah. And then from there, it moves right into Young Guns Bonanza. Okay. For some reason, I was thinking there was three sketches. Yeah, no. I think that's... Maybe there was one of those cut. Yeah, I th- maybe. Um, I think that's why I didn't exactly treat this one like a BTV episode, because where BTV, it's a variety show, and they're going to be like, okay, we're going to tell a Bible story for two minutes, a historical story for eight minutes, and like 20 other things for the rest of the runtime that might be like a did you know and it might be just like a quick silly sketch or uh of just any number of things whereas this it's like the majority of the runtime is this story and everything that's not this story is just another parable real quick to kind of add some context but it doesn't have actually jesus talking before the two sons parable it's only after the young guns bonanza sketch right uh Yeah, I think that's a- I think that's accurate because I think Wit is just speaking for him. Okay, yeah, I think that was I thought that's probably what it was because it almost seemed like the framing device with that, like telling the parable but in a modern way, but then bringing in like the actual you know scripture with that at the end. It's kind of like I I don't think you guys have reviewed this episode yet, but on Beyond Gilead, Shadow Agent X, we're getting there, where that one switches from being like this spy detective parody old time radio show to Grace talking about the story back and back and forth, where it's kind of a mix of this story from the Bible that's told to a certain extent, but then you have this modern elements in it, uh-huh. which this episode, I get kind of that feel with that too, yeah. where you think that usually people would just stick with the one or the other, but I think it's a bold creative choice to do both. Right. Which I do like Shadow Agent X quite a bit. <laughs> I do not remember it at all. I think I've heard that episode once. All I know <laughs> is what I said last recording, Ryan, we're in the summer of... Uh, year six and we know what's coming up so yeah it's about to get interesting on return to gilead but we're not on return to gilead this is odyssey geek yeah yeah (laughs) and i want to talk about my favorite bible episode can i talk about it let me guess is it over the airwaves worth it yeah it's worth it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the lost one i i'm going to eventually come back to the odyssey fan base and when i do i'm going to prove that the Lost One is objectively the best arc in Odyssey mm. and worth it. My experience with this episode is really interesting because if you listen back to those three episodes of Audio News, are my reaction with Rhea Smith of Worth It and of the next episode, The Lost One, Part 1, and of The Lost One, Part 2, in the middle, I get a message on Facebook, like I think publicly for my birthday or something like that in 2021. Was it 2021 or was it 2022? I think it was 2022 actually. I don't remember. Everything's really fuzzy. I think it oh, was, was twenty twenty one. It came out in twenty twenty near the end of twenty twenty one. There we go. They had it kind of early, early in the fall. So originally, when Worth It came out, I was still really upset at what had been done in the team uh-huh. with you know with Wit and and with all of that. And when Wit started talking about like his ideas on well, I don't know that you know may, maybe this is something that God would would cause to happen. I'm like mm, I don't. I don't know that I agree with you, Wit. And the, you can go back and listen to it. There's a long discussion that I had with Rhea. And Rhea's like, yeah, I, I think this is totally biblical. And I'm like, I don't know. And then Marshall Younger uh, commented on like me saying that The Lost One was the greatest episode of all time. And he was like, oh, I'm glad I didn't crush your spirits after Worth It. I'm like, you, you listened to my reaction. Dude, <laughs> that's great. And it made me reconsider it. Because when I, like, I listened to it again with my mom, and then we listened to The Lost One, and I completely flipped. And that's sort of around the time when, Ryan, we've been talking about this a lot, my perspective on, like, I've been calling it Calvinism. I don't know if it is Calvinism, but my perspective on 
who like the nature of God and how like why bad things happen. Worth it was monumental in shaping that in my life. Not just in the middle of this this era of episodes that I thought was spectacular, but something that I've constantly gone back to on yeah, this is biblical. Yeah. And this is something that I do believe. And this is something I want to understand more why I believe it. It's remarkable. It's perfect. It's a masterpiece of writing. And that's all I have to say. Well said. And Wit is written the best he, again, it's totally different than how he's written with, you know, it is the, the opposite. previous story arc that was going on. It is the, it, and also yeah. even better, and probably even better in all the era probably since maybe even like the truth chronicles or even a few albums before album 50 like i think it's like the best writing well, yeah, and teaching back, yeah. that wid does and there's some really good times that Wid has some good teaching and stuff like that but i think that is just a, a monumental it's kind of like the pinnacle of what wit can be what when wit is at his best that's worth it also just in the storyline it really it's i think it sets up very well what happens in the lost one part two so that it just doesn't come out of nowhere it's foreshadowed well as to why yeah. he is here and he's involved. Exactly. And he feels, in my mind, he feels like Hal Smith. Yes. And he feels like this is the wit who cares and who's intimately involved with, like, the kids who come into the shop and he wants to know, like, what's going on. And just how gentle he is. It's the best. It's it's the best of Andre Stoika's wit. That's it. Kind of going to rabbit trail here a little bit. But I think the reason why some people don't care as much for Andre Stoika as wit, it's one, what what lines he's given and how he's directed, which I think I agree. I'm kind of on your side a little bit more, Michael, about like we're not just critiquing the acting. It's like the director of bringing that yes. out, which I, I can understand. There's probably some exceptions, but if you give one good, a good script for an actor and you know how that goes and directing them in that way, then that's what the actor can really shine. And Andre Stoika is a great actor. I'll, I'll defend Andre Stoika every day. I'd like to try this tanning bed. <laughs> Maybe just my face. You like that episode. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> did you forget about that episode, Ryan? I did. <laughs> I think I think I listened to that when I had a fever. <laughs> <laughs> but you can you can have a really great actor, but if they don't have a good script and you don't direct them yeah. well, it's gonna come out subpar. And I don't I don't I don't lay any blame on an episode on Andre Stoika. Because like especially like with like album fifty one to like being fifty five or fifty six, it was more the directing and the writing for which. Well, yeah. Because I think it it comes down to more or less of Andre Stoika's acting and what's he he's given to portray. Again, things like with happening with the Rydell stuff, that's not on Andre Stoika. That's on who wrote it. Uh huh. And directing and things like that. That goes a lot into the portrayal, and I think the times that Andre gets really good scripts that meshes with that and a good director is when Andre is at his best. Like, okay, yeah, he's been wet for me for a long time. Yep. I love Andre. He's a very nice guy. Again, you have, like, just with Connie, like, there's some times that we just don't like Connie episodes. Like, Kaylee's a great actor, but if you don't give her a good script and good direction, it can be subpar or even less than that. Millstones. Yeah. I wasn't going to say it, but you said it. But, yeah, that's that's my... That's my rabbit trail there. Uh, can I have a tiny rabbit trail from your rabbit trail? Okay. Uh, we, oh, yeah, we actually, this is like the third rabbit trail because we talked about how to rabbit trail back in Elijah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, oh, right. I guess you're right. Um, <laughs> but we're both we're both directors of audio drama. We would never say, yeah, that actor that we had for that episode we directed just wasn't that great. We would always, like, I would jump to criticize myself first. Like, I'm, I'm 100% satisfied with every line in Double Date 
because I took the time to go through and direct the actors to how to say it. And in Stress Test, I'm also happy with every single line in that one. It's not released yet, and I'm interested to hear what people think of it. But don't direct any ire at the actors. It is all the director, because the director is the one who is responsible for both who says the line and how they say it. So that's all I have to say. It's great. Yeah. I, and I agree. I've been thinking recently uh, on my on my own. Like, I've been... Sort, I sort of had this thought experiment. I was talking with Hannah about it. That if you took old scripts and even, like, old directors and sat any of the wit actors down with the script that you love from a certain wit, you could probably get an equivalent performance out of any of the wit actors. True. Like, that's my that's my take, is that, like, you could sit Andrei Stoika down with a script, like, what's a good Hal Smith episode, maybe? Like, Mortal Coil, maybe? Mm-hmm. Or, or The Imagination Station? Is the one that... Well, Flash Flood was one that Paul Herlinger read, like, for an, an audition. So, like, we have clips oh, of Paul that's Her- true. Herlinger reading Flash Flood. But if we get that episode and we have those people read those you're probably going to get a very close performance. At which point, the only discernible difference is minor voice inflection, possibly accent and like voice vocal tone, and then everything else is probably just nostalgia, really, that's yes. talking when you're trying to decide, like, oh, which wit do you like most? Well, of course I like Hal Smith most, because... Most people kind of look at Wit as a grandfather figure. Can you imagine if your actual grandfather one day was just replaced with some dude? <laughs> I'll, I'll have another reference. Like I've been thinking about that. Like in terms of like Spider Man, we know the you know you know the Spider Man game, right? For uh, you, you'll see why this is relevant. Yeah, I know. I think I know what you're about to say. Actually, yeah, yeah. The um the the face model has changed. Yes, like the person who 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 does the face. Yeah, and I've been thinking like we had that with Wit. Why is it any different with that character? And it's like. I don't know what to think about that. Like, how does changing actors and changing characters really affect how you feel about the character, especially if you form an emotional connection with that character? Yeah, yeah. And again, when it's all voice, it's imperative that you give a good avenue for someone to play through their strength. Like, it's a new actor. You may not know all their strength when it comes to the acting, things like that. That's totally understandable. Well, it's relevant more than ever because we're nearing album 75 as of this recording. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it comes down to... One, you know, writing, directing, and pushing nostalgia aside. Nostalgia does not make everything correct. <laughs> yes. I learned from Facebook that that's not the case. <laughs> it's an uphill battle. <laughs> All right, so Austin, you're gonna tell us about you're gonna tell us about Adventure in Bethany, right? That's your guess. What's your guess, Ryan? Uh, that's a that's a good guess. I want to guess something else just in case Michael's wrong. Um, I'm gonna say. Let's see. What we, Can you tell me your four that you said again? Just so I can kind of get a gauge on you. Yeah, I had three funerals and a wedding, the tower, Elijah, and the honor of Obed-Edom. Okay. Is it Shepherd and the Giant? No. Okay. But one of you is right. <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> I knew, I, I, I kind of, I knew that it wouldn't be a surprise much for, no. yeah, <laughs> at no. all for Michael. Yeah. I praise this episode sure. so much. So much. Yeah, because this is actually, spoiler if you haven't heard that Odyssey Geek episode, but this is like the, my number one on my list for underrated Odyssey episodes. Yeah. We've talked you know, a little bit about it. I'm glad you all brought brought that episode up. Wait, wait a minute. You guys didn't have an Imagination Station on your list? <laughs> it's number seven. I promise. <laughs> it's number seven. Sorry. It's further down the list. It's further okay. down uh, the list. All right. but Sorry, continue, Austin. One of them. 
Anyway, um, one thing I liked is, one, it doesn't try to fit the entire Bible story into a specific moral. That's the starting point for the episode. Like, we have, like, you know, Lucy being, you know, so busy with church stuff, you know, stuff for God, but not actually spending time with God. That's, like, the starting point for her to be in the episode. But once that's, it's resolved very quickly, and then we get on to, like, the the main bulk of the story. I'm glad it's not trying to contrive a moral, that same moral throughout the whole story. It just lets the story breathe. It just... Kind of like I think Ryan, like you mentioned, like base or maybe it's Michael of how like that stopping point, you know, it ends, but it's not at the normal ending we think for an actual story. Just like it keeps going, we have more to come after this. And I like how it just it doesn't try to put a certain. I don't. It's kind of harsh to say this. Like it's not trying to make an agenda from the story to fit. Like and it's not trying to make the story fit an agenda or a specific moral. Sure. For the whole thing, and I appreciate that. Because it makes the story, you can make the story a little more faithful, I think, when you do it that way. Yeah. And also, too, like, it's just a two-parter. Kind of like the line that I think kind of goes into my feeling of how much I like this episode is, Eliezer says near the end of part two, and he t- tells Wit and Lucy, like, you two have almost become family now. Aw. And I think that's indicative of how much this story makes it feel like these characters from Odyssey are actually in the Bible story. Yeah. They're so connected. They're like, they're close friends, basically. Like Lucy is to a certain extent. Wit becomes a fast friend with them too. And it feels like the most immersive imagination station adventure ever, because it doesn't just feel like they're always a stranger there. They're actually like a part of this. Absolutely. At to a point that that's even better, I think, than like uh, Saul, Man from Tarsus and things like that, where you have them as actual characters, like with Rodney and Sam. Yeah. I like it how like, they're still from our world. They still, they're like, they're... They're just able to be themselves. Yeah, they're not actually, they're not Bible characters. They're real people. And how, more of a realistic approach of how, once we were with these, if we had this opportunity to go back in time or have a virtual reality thing with these people, we'd probably get real attached to them. Yeah. And I and I get attached to them, I think, with this episode, because we see so much of their life, not just, oh, when, you know, Martha and Miriam, were, or like Martha and Mary were upset and then just going right to Lazarus dying. They have time in between that to get to know these characters and the circumstances surrounding that. So I think one of the most, if not the most, immersive Imagination Station adventure ever, I think. It's also cool seeing Wit be a participant in the adventure, not just like a bystander or like a a host of the event, basically. So it's kind of neat to see that. He knows what's going on, so it's not quite as fun. Like, Like looking at it through Lucy's eyes is more fun. But Wit still, he he goes along with it. Like, he's acting like, oh, yeah, we'll do whatever we can, Martha, and things like that. Like, he mm-hmm. goes along with, like, oh, yeah, these people are concerned about this situation. And even though he knows what's going on, he still goes along with it. And also, John Campbell's, I think it's John, I'm pretty certain it's John Campbell's score for this. I love the music. Like, you mentioned, Ryan, it's like that mellow, kind of that melancholy tone for a lot of it adds so much flavor and so much of the palette for the story to work with. And also, again, the Hebrew names, like, kind of hiding the story in plain sight. Yeah. Well, not necessarily plain no, sight. No, no, yeah. It, it's that's there. a very apt description. Yeah, it's, like, it's it's a very clever way. I wish, I kind of wish they would do this do this more with, uh, like, with the names and things like that. But I think it's done very well. Again, like, I think part of the fun of it is that it's not just totally how you read it in your English Bible. It's the Hebrew names of that. And even things like, uh, it took me a long time to recognize her saying this, something like that, but... In part two, when Lucy comes to Miriam, and she tells Lucy, oh, you have come to sit, I can't remember the name, um, Shuha, something like that. It's basically like the Hebrew Hebrew name for like the mourning period. Like they had like seven days or uh-huh. ten days, something like that that they mourned. 
And like just that's that little thing that like I didn't pick up on that for years or actually pick up what she was saying. But the older I got and the more I learned about you know the Hebrew language and culture and things like that, that was just like one little thing there along with the names too that just immerses you in the culture and the time period. Uh-huh. I'm glad since I've been talking about this because I mem- I remember it might have been it might have been Gina, but I think she mentioned after listening to our conversation Michael about the underrated episodes that she agreed with like the adventure in Bethany or she went back and listened to it and agree with you know, our assessment of that too. And I'm really happy you both mentioned it today yeah. too. And yeah, it's just, I think it wasn't always this way. Like this isn't one I listened to that much because I didn't have it like on cassette and I didn't, I don't think I ever heard it much on the radio, but one that I've just grown to love and love. I've heard it. I probably heard this, these episodes probably more than any other Bible episode of Odyssey. And I, I love it. I love it. It's just a beautiful, well done immersive story like none other agree so go buy album 16 it is a, an excellent <laughs> but album. don't do it like i did don't buy it out of order <laughs> we've already spoiled you on everything that happens so you know. yeah well there's that there is that and i agree with you austin on the the how they the episode isn't there to have some agenda against the child it's not like Okay, child, you're really going to learn your lesson because you're wrong about something. So we're going to throw you in the imagination station. Okay, Lucy, you think Jesus had no friends? You think Jesus had no friends? (laughs) That's funny. But, like, I think the cool thing about this. I mean, that could have been a way of doing that. Oh, yeah, you didn't know this? Well, Jesus had friends and he wept over his death. I think that could have been a good way to introduce the latter part of the story if they didn't do the first part. Right. But I think the the neat thing is that without trying to, it serves the lesson better than the first part seems to. So, like, the first part, it seems to kind of directly contrast with what Lucy was initially struggling with. because And a bit on the nose, too. Because she's struggling and she's talking with Wit and Wit's like, doing things for God isn't the same as being with him. Someone has to do it. And then that exact same line is said between Miriam and Martha. I'm mixing the names. Miriam and yeah, I think Marta. She was actually talking to Eliezer in that scene, but yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because Miriam was actually just sitting. <laughs> so, anyway, Eliezer and Marta are having that conversation, and Lucy's like, oh, now I get why I'm in here. And we move on from that, and then, like, there's one point where she's like, wait, I learned my lesson! But then, like, the com- the thing goes on, and so. We, I, as a kid, I always was like, okay, so did we just forget the lesson? But looking back on it as an adult, I realized the lesson actually was told in a much better way by living it than it could have been by just saying like, oh, well, this was a person in the Bible who made the same mistake as you. But through the episode, we get to see people spending time with Jesus and the the characters like Lucy actually gets to spend time with Jesus and try to catch up with him to spend more time with him and to get him back to ah. uh, to uh, help with Eleazar. And so there is time where Lucy is getting hands-on experience of what the major difference is between doing work for Jesus and actually spending time with him, actually having a connection with him. Wow. And she gets to see the lives of people who had that connection with him and it changed their lives. And that's a much better lesson. It's sort of the show don't tell mm-hmm. of like, you don't teach people by saying, but just cramming it down their throat. You need to spend more time in the Bible. <laughs> that's not the way to confront somebody who is 
uh, missing church or something in order to do good things for God, the way to maybe show them would be uh, better served to show them what they're missing out on yeah. and say, like, hey, there's, there is great value in pursuing this. This isn't me saying, you have an obligation to go to church. Now get in a pew, you good Christian. It's saying, look, you're missing out on so much when you neglect relationship with God in, in uh, service of, well, serving him. Because that's kind of the whole point. It, like, it's not that we shouldn't serve God, but we shouldn't treat it like it's not a relationship, because that's the whole point of it. You have just made my love for this, those episodes <laughs> go up even more. Yeah! Thank you, Ryan. Is that the one episode that's consistent in all of our lists? Yeah, yeah it is. Nice. I mean, where was? why didn't Worth It make your, your top ten, Austin? Or did it make your top ten? Well, if we're done talking about uh, Venture Bethany, we can go over our honorable mentions quick if you want. Yeah, I mean, I'll only add to that. This is why I like having Ryan around, is those, those deep insights. So if you want to hear more of those... Uh, <laughs> Going over to Return to Gilead. He's got a lot of them. Stop stop plugging our show. <laughs> no. It's fine. I love the show, too. Uh, we could do it in reverse order. I'd love to hear your list of honorable mentions yeah, first, Austin. go for it. Okay, so number 10, I had Imagination Station Revisited, parts 1 and 2. Ooh. Number 9 is Worth It. Yes. 8 is Back to Bethlehem, parts 1 through 3. 7 is Moses of the Passover, parts 1 and 2. And then number six is St. Paul, the man from Tarsus, and St. Paul set apart by God. Nice. See, I am I am not a fan, subjectively, <laughs> of those last three. Interesting. The, the St. Paul, Moses, or Back to Bethlehem. Uh, they didn't make my list. Like, if I go back and listen to them again, I know a lot of people love them, especially you. And I think, objectively, Back to Bethlehem is one of the best Odyssey episodes of all time, so I'm confused as to why I don't like it. So, that's something I want to look into soon, but yeah, I know that... A lot of people who love them. Well, yeah, a lot of like, like for what, like for me, like worth it. I love worth it. I love it. I think it's objectively one of the best, but it's not necessarily my favorite. That's one thing that. No, that's fine. That's fine. Well, I, I, I'm just pointing out. Like, I know you've mentioned too. Like, bringing it up, I know you've been challenged on this too about like thinking objectively versus subjectively, and this is kind of more of a subjective list for me. Yeah, which is a lot easier for me. Like, I wanted to put Worth It higher. I really did. But it, when it comes to me, actually, if I'm a favorite, you know, just not just a one aspect of, okay, this is just good on the technical level. It's also, like, how my feelings are with it and how my thoughts are on it now and how whether I grew up with it or not or how much it affected me at that time. That's kind of where I lean towards for a lot of my list here. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's not just that. It's just that I don't – it's not that it's, like, I like Back to Bethlehem, but it didn't make it on my list. I don't like Back to Bethlehem. So that's why I'm, like, I'm a little confused about that. But – yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I wanted to put a lot of these episodes a lot higher, uh, but we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, when I came to a lot of the kind of more classic episodes, like that, like those last three, or let's see, say your list again, real quick. Uh, Saint Paul, the original two-parter, Moses, Passover, Back to Bethlehem, Worth It, Imagination Station Revisited. Okay, yeah. So the three, the Paul, Moses, and I can't even keep them in my head long enough back to, to talk about them. Yeah, back, back Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Moses, Imagination Station Paul. Revisited. I listen. I, I was looking at those in the list, like as I was trying to decide what would make my top ten. And Back to Bethlehem, I think I looked at it and I was like, "That's a real. That's a good one because you know, like this is classic. Like I listen to this every Christmas." But then, like, something stopped me, and I was like, well, but do I like it as a Bible story? And I kind of got to the point that I was like, well, 
not as much as these other ones, mm-hmm. simply because so much it like the three parter. You could cut out a lot of Connie and Eugene and get a one-parter that just tells the actual story. All the stuff with Connie and Eugene, the point of the episode is less, here's what the story is, and a lot more, here was the culture at the time, which unfortunately boils down to, we didn't have microwaves, and also everyone wants to marry Connie. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not bad, it's kind of funny. But also, it's kind of like, that's not exactly what I have on my bingo card when I'm looking for a good Bible story. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun story. It like it, It's great character development for both Connie and Eugene. Yeah. And again, there's also a lot of biblical fiction in that, too. Yeah, for sure. Is it weird that I heard the star before I heard Back to Bethlehem? So I was really confused. That that, that happened to me, too. I listened to yeah. star, the star first before I heard that three-parter. I think that's why I don't like it as much. All right. Well, on my list of honorable mentions, I had four that made the cut of like, yeah, I like this episode. I'll put it in the ranking somewhere. David and Absalom, The Perfect Church, OT Action News, Battle at the Kishon, and Three Funerals yes. and a Wedding. Nice. I wanted to put Battle at the Kishon a lot higher because it is a, again, it's a masterpiece of writing. It's fantastic. It's the best one of the OT Action News, I think. Yeah, it's just a, it's an excellent episode. I, I was telling Ryan recently, it was written by Nathan Hubler and Odyssey fan. Did you know that, Austin? Oh, yeah, you did tell me yeah, that remember, le- recently. I remember you all talking about Something like that in Return of Gilead recently. Yeah, just a, a one-off. Uh, just a <laughs> random conversation, yeah. <laughs> no, it was about, uh, it was something about Tent Peg. What was the joke? I thought John Fornoff wrote that episode, though. I don't think so. I think, pretty sure it was Nathan Hubler. I can look it up, though. But anyway, yeah, really like that one. Um, and the other ones, David and Absalom and the Perfect Church, those were two from the, the newer episodes. I mean, one's from uh-huh. 56, the other's from 64 both episodes that I really, really liked. And The Perfect Church, I thought, was a much better telling of the... Well, I thought it was a... a, Again, it's beautiful, the way that it's presented, like the Pentecost. And uh, you've got... What's his name? Um, Stephen. The actor who I love. No, Jim Cummings, who plays Yeah, he plays Stephen. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Love, love, love that scene. Love his portrayal. Um, And we don't get as much Saul as we do in the the other episodes with, with Saul. But I thought the also the jumping in, like Eugene's little tool tips here and there, uh, like the little hints that he has or the things that he says to Matthew, I thought that was really, <laughs> really clever and actually really well worked into the plot. Eugene is Mr. Clippy from uh, Micro... Or what, what's, what was his name? The clip... The... No, I'll what? get this. From Microsoft, the Windows Are you thing. talking about the paperclip yeah. from... Yeah. Yeah, Clippy, the animated paperclip. Yeah, it's Clippy from from old Windows... <laughs> Matthew gets into the station. Critical alert from Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Whitaker forgot to update update the imagination station with newest Windows last night, and now it's taken so long to boot up. Oh my word! Now, now I want to make an edit where someone gets into the imagination station. They press the red button, and it goes ba da ba ba. Oh yes, please do that. <laughs> oh, it looks like Battle at the Kishon was written by Nathan Hubler and Paul McCusker, but I'm pretty sure Odyssey fan is credited here too. Okay. But, okay. Okay. Nice. I was totally wrong with him. Oh, there's one more. Uh, Karina Bolin. Okay. Cool. Anyway, I don't know who that is. I think I I would have put the Perfect Church on my list of honorable mentions, but when I looked at it initially, I thought it was the episode where Matthew uh goes back to like the early church. Uh, where they take his Bible. Do you remember that episode? Yes. I, I think oh, I mistook uh, it. The, the Morning, Morning Star. Star. 
I love that episode. I've only heard it one and a half times. Yeah, I mistook it for that, and I was like, I was like, why is this in the list of Bible stories? That doesn't make sense. Oh wait, <laughs> well because it's a story about a Bible. Uh, yeah, that, that was what I thought. I was like, I guess this is included because it's about Bibles. I guess. But I just completely forgot, I just completely mistook the title to mean something completely different. Me, when I'm looking at Ryan's number one Bible episode, why is this in the list of Bible stories? <laughs> hey! Hey, now! <laughs> I won't take star. this abuse. <laughs> Game on. No. You're <laughs> bullying me. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> All right. You want to hear my list? Yes, please. All right. I've got, at number 10, Prisoner for Christ. Oh! Okay. Number nine is Return to the Bible Room. Eight is Bernard and Saul. Gotta get a Bernard episode in there. Uh, seven is The Imagination Station. And six is Shepherd and the Giant. Hmm. What, what's what's up with your number ten, dude? Why is that there? It, it, apparently it's critically panned. Yeah. Like in every rating system, it's always been really low, and I don't know why. But I can kind of guess why. Yeah, it's it's not one of the, in my opinion, it's not one of the better single Bible episode single Bible episodes, but I, I, I want to know why you like it, though. Sure. I will give my defense. Well, recent events have also made me seriously despise a certain character. Nicholas Adams. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think number one is because we don't get Nicholas Adams worth, like, ever in any episode. So it's interesting to get him in an episode where he's not um, trying to help Richard Maxwell rip off a bunch of people at the college we're getting him just as a kid but that's more of a surface level thing i think what's valuable about this episode is first off the story it's trying to tell is it's definitely a very we're taking a lot of liberties here Mm -hmm. but not in a way like i think there's two ways to do we're gonna take liberties with a bible story one is that you can put words in the mouths of people that we generally revere as like oh yeah they wrote books so like 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 that's sort of a problem a lot of people have with the chosen the tv show is that they take a lot of liberty to give jesus lines he didn't say in the bible which if you handle it correctly there's not a major issue with but if you don't handle it correctly you have uh issues where people will get up in church and say oh, Jesus said this, and then just quote the chosen. And it's like, eh, that's problematic, because now people think that Jesus actually said things that he didn't. And it's just some writer who 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 said it. And even if there's some theological basis to it, you're still putting words in the mouth of someone uh, that, that it, like, someone who we have their scripture, that we have the scripture to show what their inspired words were, but we can't say that about the fiction. So that's one scenario. What this episode does is not that, because we get very little time with Paul. Most of the time is spent with this slave who is running away, who could be anybody. Like, we don't have much context from the Bible, who this person was, what they felt, how they acted, and also they weren't a biblical authority. So we can have a lot of fun with giving them of compelling backstory and making a like an interesting chase scene like oh this is new it's not ever been a case where wit has thrown us into an adventure where we're on the run with a fugitive usually we're hanging out with all the 
you know, all the good guys, right? Oh, let's go hang out with Paul. Let's go hang out with Jesus. Let's go hang out, like, either you're hanging out with the good guys or you're hanging out with the worst of the worst. You're, like, with King Ahab and Jezebel. (laughs) (laughs) And so here, it's another thing where I think what makes a good episode of the Imagination Station is we're doing something new here, folks. And so we're here with a fugitive, and suddenly we're running away, and we're trying to get away and figure out what to do. And then out of nowhere comes the Apostle Paul. And this is sort of, you get this subversive moment that's similar to the Bethany episode, where I didn't know where this fits in the canon when we started, and I didn't know halfway through the episode either. And then we finally get to the end of the episode, and I'm like, okay, I know where this is in the Bible now. But what's more, the the lesson of, like, there there's several themes to play with. Themes of redemption, themes of forgiveness, even themes of, like, well, I think redemption is the biggest one. Because, like, it, like, we could imagine Paul forgiving somebody's debts because he is the, he calls himself the bondservant of Christ. And that that's a very Christ-like behavior. Because Jesus forgave us for all of our debts. And it's a very, it's a powerful moment. The music, I think, that plays is the same music that plays in Digger Digwillow's episode. I think the scene where um, Paul is forgiving the debt of the slave, and he's saying, he's saying, I was forgiven a debt, and I'm going to tell you who his name is. His name is Jesus. The music behind that, I think it's the same music that plays when Digger Digwillow is asking... Yeah, I think you may be right. He, I know the that scene, I think, also ends with him saying, Jesus? And then it swells, like, da-da-da-da-da, kind of thing. Yeah. Or it, it plays behind Digger Digwillow being like, his eyes, he looked at me differently. That, that was odd. And so I like that in that there's a certain amount of, like, it's not often we get a leitmotif, but it's very close to a leitmotif. It's like the, oh, this character is being changed by Jesus leitmotif to a certain extent, which that's always awesome because we don't get a whole lot of, like, oh, this theme means this in multiple scenarios kind of um, stuff in Odyssey. Beyond that, just the episode itself, I think, is a wild enough ride in the imagination station that comes to a conclusion and helps out a character who is like freaking out that like, Eugene's going to kill me. I find it also just amusing at the beginning with trying to maintain his cool with this insane Nicholas Adamsworth who shows up. (laughs) That's always amusing. So lots of lots in this episode that I like, I totally get why it's low rated for a lot of people it's very out of the ordinary. I think that's what makes me like it. Yeah, well, I think like for its time when it came out, like I said, it's a different. You jump right into the action, like and again, telling a story that people probably don't know that much about, which I think it's a great way to do that. I, again, we were looking at this lens of you know the entire spectrum, all these years of Odyssey episodes, and it just ranks lower. Like I don't ever think that was one of my favorites. I kind of liked it. But actually, if you like the story of Onesimus, there's a really good book called Twice Freed by Patricia St. John. Uh-huh. She writes an entire story about Onesimus and things like that, giving him a backstory and kind of a, a reason why he's running away and things like that. It's a very good book. I, I had to read it in my schoolwork. I was kind of in a bad mood at the time. I didn't really want to read it. But once I first started <laughs> reading it, I really liked it, and I was really glad I read it. That's good. By the way, I just checked, and it is the same music. Cool. Library. 
Uh, remind me what your list was again. Your your honorable mentions. Prisoner for Christ, number 10. 9, Return to the Bible Room. 8, Bernard and Saul. Then Imagination Station and Shepherd and the Giant. See, I thought Bernard and Saul was pretty weak as far as the yeah, story went. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think I put it there just because... I put it there just because of the deep dive into that story. It does it pretty well. Like, if we're going to look at... Like, the story of Joseph, I felt, okay... Every kid has heard the story of Joseph. And then the story of Esther. Okay, every kid has heard the story of Esther. What kid knows the deep lore of Saul? <laughs> Not many. Or Jeremiah. Not many. Everyone focuses on David. David's so cool. And this story actually tells everything leading up to that point and shows another king who was selected by God in a very similar fashion and screwed it up in a different way than David did. <laughs> He he messed up in that station, but it we learn a different lesson as a result. It it teaches us about obedience mm-hmm. and not trying to think that we know better than God when He tells us a direct command. Yeah, yeah, sir. Yeah, I, again, I'm guessing like like some of those you know from my perspective, I think are some of the weaker Bible episodes that I I wouldn't have put in my top ten. But again, since we're going as our favorites, not necessarily objectively. Yeah, and by no means do I think this is the objective list. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I just I talked about how like subjective versus objective on this list with that, but I, I I'm interested. I'm I'm actually happy you put them on your list that we have you know a little more variety. Which I'm I'm really glad with this with these lists that we didn't have a whole lot of overlap or at least the same you know numbers on each. Right. And towards the top, we have a little more agreement on. But when we get further away from that, we have a little more variety of opinions which i love having multiple people on the show and getting different perspectives rather than just having just my opinion well I, i've been holding back on you guys uh i haven't been completely honest there there's one episode that ranks i, I would actually rank it as number zero just because it, it's so so remarkable and like i made my, my top five and i was like oh wait but then there's this episode i've gotta put that at the top so I've been waiting till the very end to say it. It is the episode of all time. Very clearly one of the written episodes, Bethany's Flood. I was wondering if this would be leading up to a joke. You know. <laughs> yeah. Obviously the most biblically accurate episode of Odyssey ever. Yeah. Oh, of course. And the most reverent episode of Odyssey ever. Yeah, your facetiousness is very apparent. Help! I'm being abducted by pirates. <laughs> Help! I'm being abducted by pirates who don't do anything. I just don't understand. <laughs> oh boy, we know Michael's tired now. <laughs> I've been tired for a long time. Oh uh, yeah, I I don't think I count that as a Bible episode at all. If you listening out there are tired after listening to us talk about this, go look up every time they say the in Bethany's flood on AIO Audio News, and yeah. It's a blast from the past, and it's dumb. Yeah, if you don't if you don't have enough things to do in your life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was so much fun, guys. Yeah, this was great. I'm so happy we got to record this together, and you know, I I love doing rank lists. There's always a lot of surprises, and you know, the few times we stopped and talked about an episode and its themes quite a bit, whether we disagreed or agreed on it, and you know, that's that's one thing. I, I love how. I love how our different perspectives are, how we get to learn from each other and see things through another person's eyes. I'm glad you've embraced the long, Austin, because these like these recordings may go really, really long, but they're totally worth it. And getting the amount, not no pun intended, <laughs> g- giving the amount of stuff that we have to talk about, I really appreciate you facilitating these discussions. So thank you. Yes, this was a lot of fun. 
Well, you're welcome. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. No problem. Happy to be here. Whew. Wow. That was a long discussion. Actually, this turned out to be the longest episode of Odyssey Geek yet, surpassing the last record holder, which was the episode about top 10 least favorite Odyssey episodes. If you want to listen to another long podcast episode of Odyssey Geek, there'll be a link to that in the podcast notes. Here's a little peek behind the curtain here. If you want to hear me and Michael and Ryan talk about more Bible audio dramas, go ahead and subscribe to me and Michael's new podcast, A Walk Through Wildwood. I released a bonus on the podcast feed before this episode came out, talking about the spinoff of Odyssey Geek, a Paws and Tales podcast. Quick rundown in case you didn't listen to that one yet, but basically, we're re-releasing our Paws and Tales reviews from the Beyond AO episodes on the podcast feed with new content, and we'll also be reviewing the episodes from Season 2 and forward once those old reviews are all on that podcast feed. I forgot to mention this on the bonus episode, but the Beyond AO episodes will stay on the Odyssey Geek podcast feed. Those will stay there. But if you want to hear us talk about Paws and Tales even more, go check out A Walk Through Wildwood. Wherever you get your podcast, and you can use the link in the podcast notes. So I started this little rabbit trail, not a rabbit trail, by talking about, hey, you want to hear me and Michael and Ryan talk about more Bible audio dramas? There's a pretty epic Bible story in Season 2 of Paws and Tales. We've recorded that review already. However, it's going to be a little while before that comes out, but you will only hear it on a walk through Wildwood. Alright, enough of a plug for that. And just a little housekeeping here. This episode you're listening to will be the last full episode of Odyssey Geek for 2023. It took a long time to edit this podcast. We recorded for nearly three hours. And yeah, it's just now coming out. But... Do not worry, there still will be content on the podcast feed through the end of the year. I'll have some special bonuses to share on the podcast feed between now and the end of December, so be on the lookout for that. Now, after hearing all three of us talk about our favorite Bible episodes, I want to know, what's your favorite Bible episodes from Odyssey? Did you have some episodes that overlap with ours? Do you think there's some that we missed? Please let me know, I would love to hear from you. You can do that by emailing me at odysseygeek at gmail.com or connecting with me on social media. You can find Odyssey Geek on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for at Odyssey Geek, spelling ahead, O-D-Y-S-E-Y-G-W-E-K. That's how you'll find it. And I asked you to subscribe to A Walk Through Wildwood, but if for some reason you haven't subscribed to Odyssey Geek yet, it's super easy to do that, and it makes it really easy for you to find out when new episodes come out. I'd also love it if you would share this podcast with someone in your life that's an Odyssey Geek as well. Help them join the fun that we have on this podcast. Thank you so much for sticking with me for this long episode, and for listening to Odyssey Geek in 2023. I really do appreciate it a lot. Thank you. And with that, I'll just say farewell until next time. Yeet!